brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by American Yogi. In a world increasingly driven toward the grind, find your outlet for peace. American Yogi is a mindfulness-based apparel and wellness brand with international retreats, free classes, and rad clothing and accessories to support you along life's journey. Find American Yogi on Instagram at liveamericanyogi or at americanyogi.com. American Yogi is proud to support the Brass and Unity podcast and its community with the code BRASS15. Join the mindful counterculture. Live American Yogi. We ping pong off each other. We have world domination plans. Uh, it works. It works. <laughs> you got to have those, you know, like WF level world domination plans. I think oh, I'm yeah. going gonna... to start it there. I think that's a great intro. I think that's a great start. WEF and world domination yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a good start for Jimmy Corsetti. How do you feel about that? The WF are taking over the world. If you a want to know who's the king, you want to know the true king is his name is Klaus Schwab, and you better bow to him. I'm really, I'm, I'm ready to uh, swear allegiance. But come on, Klaus Schwab, just you know, take good care of me. Don't I don't want to be the first to die in that pit. Uh, I'd like to go last. Uh, you so like to for watch? Now, just, yeah, I'd like to kiss his ring and get on my knees and just serve him. Um, but by the way, speaking of the, the WEF, apparently their right-hand man, forgot his name, I know it's going to say here, but apparently they're into the ancient civilizations. I find that really interesting. A lot of these rich and powerful people, they vibe out on this ancient stuff. Uh, they're into like Egyptian antiquities. There's this huge black market of mummies that's like $4 billion a year estimated. People, like all these rich people are like- What? They have like the- Yeah. You can, there's like news articles about it. They're- they estimate it based on how many hundreds of millions of dollars they bust every year uh, going through like imports, exports. And it's like this whole underground market. And I assume it's like, remember like Batman, the one with Michael Keaton, where he like <laughs> has his mansion and he has all like, these knight armor and stuff in his room. And yeah, I think yeah. it's probably something like that. Yeah. Oh God, that's the best intro ever. That's going to get us banned on YouTube for <laughs> sure. Okay, hold on. So many things I want to touch on there. If you guys aren't paying attention, this is Jimmy Corsetti. I don't know how to describe what you do because you're so much more than a YouTuber. You're so much more than a veteran. You're so much more than somebody that is awakening the world to what does it all mean? 
you're the generation. Like we, we have Graham Hancock, don't get me wrong, but you're this generation's Graham Hancock. You're looking at things in a way where you're making people question everything. And what does it all mean? And why is it all here? Why are all these rich dudes wanting to keep Egyptian mummies? Like what is the obsession with the old technology and where we are in the world? And so I'm really stoked to have you on, but before you even go on a rant, I didn't know about the Egyptians in the black market. And I want to understand so much more to what you just said, please. So here's the deal. Anybody that looks into the topic of lost ancient civilizations as an adult, like we learn about it as we're kids in like sixth grade, like, oh, okay, you know, the pharaohs built the pyramids and all that. And because of shows like Ancient Aliens and others, there's like, you know, it's created new interest in it. And I'm not necessarily a fan of ancient aliens, if I'm being totally honest, although I do believe in aliens for sure. They're probably among us right now. But um, as more people, as they become adults and start looking into things, they find that there are legitimate mysteries and unanswered questions about our past. And like going back to these rich people that are into it, I'm like, I think that because um, I've said this before to other people, I'm like any reasonable adult that digs into these things, they learn that quite literally, the Egyptians left us with absolutely zero explanation for how they cut and carved those stones and how they constructed the pyramids. Literally nothing. Mm -hmm. And people are surprised when they first hear that. When I start having these conversations with people that I meet, and I say that to them, they're like, well, no, hold on. did they like have that on the walls? I'm like, no, like literally nothing. The only thing they have on the walls is different things involving different pharaohs and funeral stuff, but it's, it's not in spiritual stuff, but it has nothing to do with construction stuff. And then you look into other details, which is the actual science behind it, which is how do we cut and carve stone now? Like to cut granite is no little thing. We use like diamond tip saws. And when you realize that the Egyptians were said to be a bronze age culture, which means that they used bronze, that was their most advanced tooling that they had. And then when you look at how bronze would be used to cut granite, it's, pretty much not feasible whatsoever. It's like debunked. It doesn't, any testing that they've done on it does not explain how they cut these massive blocks with such precision. So it starts to raise other questions like, well, wait a second, how did they do this? Um, and so that's why I think that these, if there is truth to us having the, you know, a lost civilization that we came from that was technologically more advanced than what we give them credit for, because this is what I tell people, like, or I say, like, there's a lot of growing interest in lost ancient high technology. And people will instantly think like, oh, you're saying they had Wi-Fi and lasers and everything. I'm like, I didn't say that. I'm just saying that they are were more advanced than these guys wearing loincloths, you know, like bending over with tens of thousands, like of people just doing one block at a time. Like, no, they were more advanced than what we give them credit for. And I think that's, you know, when it comes to these rich, famous, super powerful people, that if there's any truth to this lost mystery, they would be aware of it. And I find it quite interesting that they're so interested in it. I mean, even executives within big pharma uh, have their, have put millions of dollars into uh, Egyptian antiquity museums around the world, all kinds of crazy stuff. Why is it, do you think that they never put anything on the walls about their technology in terms of how they did this, why they created it. I mean, it just feels like if you're documenting your life and you're documenting these events and these historical things that they want others to continue to do and be remembered for, why out of all things would you leave out, this is how we achieved this? 
So I think there's, it's one of two things. Either they had done it, and then later, Pete, look, can I swear on this podcast? How do you feel about that? Super, yeah. Later, assholes came around and broke that <laughs> shit. <laughs> they overthrew, because there's like, there were three kingdoms from the ancients. Like, people don't realize this, that they, like, they are marked. The Egyptian civilization is marked by revolution and revolt and overthrowing the dynasties. And I think that what happens is, if we know anything about wars, that people come in, they invade, the, the, the victors, you know, write the history and they destroy what was before them and they take credit. So I think either they literally destroyed that stuff themselves or what I think is even more likely is that a lot of these relics like the Great Pyramid of Giza might just be much older than what we give them credit for and that they were rediscovered essentially. So the theory is that there was these people called the Kemetians, Kemet, and that they were the people that existed before the dynastic Egyptians and dynastic Egyptians, anyone that's unaware, that's just the ancient Egyptians we were taught about in school. Um, and that maybe that they had, uh, the Egyptians that we were taught about had rediscovered them after a cataclysm that had happened. Some people call it the biblical flood. Um, and essentially started over new and tried to replicate these things. And that a lot of the temples, and all these spectacular things that we see, a lot of them are two and 3000 years old, but the Great Pyramid is said to be 4,500 or so years old. And so it's like, well, that's a, more than a thousand years older than some of these other things that we're aware of how they did. And that's a long time. A thousand years is a really long time. And that's, you know, nobody is alive at that point uh, that was, you know, from when these things had been built. And then, and so a bunch of other people come in and they are essentially as they're, the people, the Egyptians, like say, like with Cleopatra, this has been said by others before too, but Cleopatra is closer to, who was the last pharaoh of Egypt, she is closer to us in age than she was to the Great Pyramids of Giza's alleged construction. What? That's how, yeah, I'll say cool. that again to everybody. Please so, do. Cleopatra, the last pharaoh, and everyone's heard, one of the most famous people in history, everyone in every corner of the, of the earth has heard of Cleopatra. She is closer to us in age than she was herself to the alleged age of the Great Pyramid of Giza. That's how, that's how freaking old that thing is. So what I'm suggesting is that even her and others around her, they had no idea how that was made either. Probably. I could be wrong. Well, <laughs> Maybe the Library of... of Alexandria, which was destroyed, that, there may have been answers in there too, which has been speculated. And, and this is where it gets real uh, conspiratorial, which is that it's a... It's alleged that the Caesars had burned down the Library of Alexandria, but I'm not so sure that's how that played out because the Caesars were smart. They gathered information from all over, and they probably would have snatched up all those scrolls and brought it back to the what's now the Vatican. That's where the that's where the conspiracies oh. come in. Is that why is the Vatican so powerful? Is it just because of all the collection plates they're passing around and they've allocated billions of dollars to themselves, or do they possibly have? information that goes back a long long time what were okay. you gonna say by the way <laughs> I, no not no i'm past it now i'm past it i'm on to the next thing you, <laughs> everything that comes out of your mouth i can't i'm not even joking while i'm looking down i'm taking notes i take notes of these things because i'm it's like listening to take it back to when you said you were going to be a teacher at some point in your life my uh, god you would have been an insane history teacher. And so I'm just so just everything you're saying, I know I'm, I mean it genuinely at the top of my list of questions. It literally is. What does it all mean? Because you have answers that it feels like so many people just do not 
realize has happened, are aware of it because of education limitations, i.e. Mm. America only teaching American history and kind of what happens there right. and why they're the best in the world. Um, so when you talk right. about things like the Vatican, you pique my interest mainly because, mm. you know, I'm, I was born and raised Catholic. I, Me I'm, too. More, I'm a spiritual person now. And I think most people, if they're, they have it shoved far down their throat when they're young, they, they kind of go through this process of finding themselves a different way. At least I'm speaking for myself. Um, so utilizing same here. Yeah. Same here. I, I'm okay. a spiritual being inhabiting this physical body, but I was raised Catholic, same as yeah. you. And, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like no, share that in common. Funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's uh, I talk about it. I try to talk about it in a respectful manner because I, you know, I think there's a, there's a way to talk about religion and then there's a way to talk about religion. And I normally like to talk about it this way, but the, here's the thing is like, it did what I found about the religious uh, life that I had when I was younger, you know, Catholic school and all of these things was you can't force someone to have faith in something. And that's something I couldn't understand until I became old enough to wrap my brain around start thinking independently. And when I started utilizing psychedelics, that's when you sit in the presence of a, of God. And I, don't even like to use the word God just because of the connotation I had attached when I was a child. Right. So I like to say the universe and the world because uh, mm -hmm. I'm a I have long hair and a lot of tattoos and it makes sense for <laughs> me. And but when you sit in that presence and you sit in something that powerful, it's undeniable. And that's what's hard to explain to others who are like, no psychedelics. But I'm like, but you're all about the Bible and you're all about the burning bush and God and right. all these things. So like. Let's go get on board here. People like you experience right. it in your head, but I've seen it and I've touched right. it and I've sat with it. I'm with you. Um, by the way, so you say universe, you know, for God, cause like I'm the same way. Like I don't use, like to use the word God either. Cause people think individually there's this connotation to it. So I either yeah. say universe or the one, the word that I've been using for the last few years is the source. I say Ooh. that I am one that what the source of all that is. And the source of all that is, is one with me because it's true. Like we're literally made up of this universe and wherever all this came from, this stuff, the matter itself, existence itself, you're one with it. There is no separation. It might, we might think of ourselves as being quite small, but like there is, it, you're not apart. You are one with it. And when you realize that, that's where the real powers come in. And I have kind of come to that same thing, even just through using cannabis has, I've had such incredible spiritual moments of spectacular synchronicities and people like i know what people are thinking because i was raised like you don't do drugs like marijuana is a drug and like and you know there's gonna be someone listening to this and be like <laughs> like this is these potheads i'm like no like things people that know me... i'm a pothead it's fine <laughs> well the thing is that people you know people who who trash on it usually people who haven't tried it or maybe they tried it once right. and had a bad experience but if you use and this is what i tell people it's like the right strain with the right moderation is key. Like a lot of people smoke some shitty ass weed. They don't even know what it is. And they'll do like way too many puffs of it. I'm like, if you do one little puff as someone that has no tolerance to it. And if you know what kind of strain it is, one that's like cerebral and you can think, right. um, you can have like, you can have this introspection. And I've got these flashbacks of memories that came out of nowhere that I, things that I had forgotten and just introspection of myself to realize like, you know, could I be a better person or did I handle this? you know, in the best way I could have. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if it's something that's improving your life and giving you that introspection, like, like find me some prescription pill that will tell you that you're an asshole. <laughs> it won't. It'll <laughs> numb your ass and make you fall asleep. 
<laughs> like can't think just dozing off on the couch or something like come on and, oh, and by the way God. this is stuff that grows naturally throughout the world or at least it yes. used to before they eradicated it um and so it's like you know it's natural you know well, it's not like, you know, because like alcohol and, and, and pills and stuff, I'm like, the, the chemical process they have to put that through to make it even palatable is unreal. It's like a freaking science experiment. It's really tragic, to be honest with you, because, mm -hmm. uh, and, and to take it back to cannabis, when you said you're like, oh, I, I have these introspective moments, these moments of realization, self inquiry, really looking in within. And the beautiful thing about that is because cannabis is a master plan. You're toying mm -hmm. with something that is not just a, you know, get high on the weekends, play with like people don't understand right. the significance and the power behind cannabis as a plant, as a master plan. And it holds just as much as psilocybin. And it's like mama, Aya at the top cannabis psilocybin. And these are kind of like the, the grandchildren that you mess with, you play with before you go sit in the big leagues. And here's the thing about that. You can have all of these beautiful moments with cannabis. You never need to go further for some who want to work on certain things or dive into themselves or really just sit with the medicine. That's, that's amazing. Move forward. I, I recommend going towards it. If you're hearing that calling to it, because it is a game changer, the way that you think yeah. and the way that your brain works, the way that the connections are made after you experience psilocybin, it's like fresh snow on top of those neurons. And it just, it gives you the opportunity to change the way your brain actually physically works. And that can heal yeah. people on in a way and has, it is frankly, the thing that's going to save the veteran community and the first responder community from yep. itself. Yep. And we're seeing it. It is a it is a beautiful thing. So when people are like drugs bad, I'm like, well, that's not a drug. You know what a drug is? Vicodin. You know what a drug is? Tylenol. Yeah. Do you know what a drug is? A benzo that gets people so hooked that we have the worst epidemic of overdose yeah. that we have ever seen on the face of this planet because and of pharmaceutical worse. companies and getting worse yep. by the day, by the day. You know, these, I know the way these types of people think, and here's, here's the best part because before it's like, all anecdotal where people are like, Hey, my life improved after doing a psilocybin trip. But now it's different because some people, you know, they're always like, trust the science, trust the science. So I'm like, perfect. So you should look at these studies done by John Hopkins. I'm sure you'll yep. trust them. Right. And like, they're finding, you know, veterans and people with PTSD. It doesn't have to be veterans, people, you know, sexual assault uh, victims and everything else, uh, childhood mm -hmm. abuse. And there's so many people in these verified studies that have one small dose and have been like essentially cured of their addictions as well as have got unbelievable um, uh, alleviation in their suffering from one dose that lasts. It's not like you're, oh, I'm better because I'm high right now. No, it's that it unlocks and re, uh, I'm not going to explain this well, but like changes the pathways in your brain and, and, and allows for actual um, improvement. Whereas like these pills don't fix anything. They just like delay things and keep people where they're at. Um, yep. No. Um, it's sad. So yeah. It's, it's sad, really. Um, it's but what's, but what's great about, like I said, being able to talk to you about all different topics is you are a well-versed individual on a lot of different things. And whether it's because you're a veteran yourself and you've served in Iraq, I know you don't like to go down that road and we do not have to. So no, we should, we should, because so okay. many, I told people a couple of years ago that I was going to make a video about my experience and I never did. And People keep following. I see people in the comments following up. Like, when are you going to make that video? I'm like, so I felt like today would be like a great day to talk about it. Let's do it. I'm down. Listen, I, I mean, two veterans sitting in a room, nothing can go wrong right. here at all. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. So, yeah, nothing. Um, Why'd you join, turn dude? Off the, 
Okay, so I was a, it's because of 9-11. I was a senior in high school in 9-11, and I was profoundly affected. Because, like, yeah. being a senior in high school is a very impressionable age. Like, you're becoming an adult, but you're still kind of an adolescent. You're not an adult, yet your brain is still developing. But, like, you're smart. You feel like you know everything. And so my father was a Vietnam veteran. Uh, both my grandfathers were World War II veterans. And I saw too many movies as a kid, you know, the Black Hawk Down and everything else. And I saw this and I'm like, oh my God, I was heartbroken. But I'm thinking to myself, I was so inspired by United Flight 93, the people that stood up and fought back and said, you know, let's roll. And I, so then there's the whole excuse to go into Iraq, which let me just say right now, and some people don't want to hear this, but I'll get into this as we go. But like, that was what I know now is that that was a lie. That was not justified that invasion. But let me back, let me just pause that right now. And I'll explain to people why I say that. But at the time, I was like a supporter of George W. Bush and the invasion. I'm like, this is a good thing. Because I was, um, so I was going to enlist right after high school but I ended up having a knee surgery in my senior year and a couple afterwards. So that delayed by a few years. And then, uh, so fast forward a couple of years after high school and I'm working on ATM machines and I had this partner, we were driving around the Valley. I live here in Phoenix and we were going to ATM machines all day. And this guy, his name was Ali Altahimi and he was an Iraqi refugee and, but a refugee from the late 1990s. So what a lot of people don't realize is that, uh, the Iraqi people, particularly down in al-Basra, which is southern Iraq, tried to overthrow Saddam in like 1997, 1998. And they were doing well until Saddam sent down his revolutionary guard and tanks and, they, and he ended that quick. And so what they did was they sent his revolutionary guard to each household and snatched up the eldest son from every household in that town. And they were never seen or heard from again. And that included Ali's older brother, who was 17 at the time. And he told me, he's like, my brother, he didn't, he didn't fight anyone. He didn't do anything. Uh, and he's like, Saddam killed my brother. And I'm going to go enlist. So he's an Iraqi refugee who's living. So let me actually back up. His parents had uh, basically smuggled his, him and his other siblings out of the country. Basically said they were going to go on a pilgrimage to Jordan. And in the process, went to the United States and never came back. Um, and so here we are invading Iraq and he's like, dude, I'm going to enlist. He's like, he hated Saddam. And so this is more and more recent for me to support the invasion. Cause I'm like, Saddam is such a tyrant. And, th and that's the truth. Like that hasn't changed. That guy needed to go. And mm -hmm. my God, his sons were even worse. The stories of these people were so bad. And I remember being like really touched based on all these stories. Like he was telling me like, as like a fourth grader being in the street and there was like gunfights. And he saw this older guy right in front of him get his literally shot in that dome and brains flew right in front of him. And he saw that as a kid. This guy's like that, that too. He's an Iraqi. He's an Iraqi. The oh. terrorist whisperer. Same. Dude, that's like. Dude, he's telling me stories about dude. running through the fields while they're just committing genocide. Like, like. Yeah. I, oh. Dude, I horrendous like so bad so i'm like i'm, I'm conflicted because it's like man they had to go but uh but as far as invasion justification here i was in my early 20s convinced that like this is a good thing that like hey come on this is like we're getting rid of modern day hitler here like of course war is justified i had plenty of friends that were liberals that were like anti don't do this don't go into iraq and i remember like 
arguing about it with them and debating it and being like, are you kidding? Like, this is so someone's got to do something here. You know, he's not going to stop. Um, So after my knee surgeries and all that gets resolved, I enlisted in 2006 into the Arizona Army National Guard. And let me just say, because people (laughs) people make fun of National Guardsmen in that school, you can, I was no badass. Um, I wanted to go, I I wasn't, I didn't want to be full time. I literally enlisted because I'm like, I'm going to go do a year in Iraq and I'm going to liberate the Iraqi people like I saw on TV. I saw them clapping and cheering on during the invasion. I'm like, that's going to be me. I'm going to be like this big hero. I'm going to go do the right thing. I want to see what, like, if I can handle myself under pressure, I felt like I could be like, if someone has to do it, like maybe I could help. Um, and then I could handle it. And I would like prove myself in the, in the process. And, and that's, you know, from seeing too many movies. Um, and anyway, so there I, I, I go to basic training and then finally, so I end up listing um, into uh, as a, uh, 31 Bravo, which is military police. And I chose them because one, I was doing my research on what units here in Arizona were going to deploy again. And the the military police company here in Phoenix was, and so I enlisted as MP plus because they were doing, so when I say military police to people who don't know, like this wasn't to be garrison law enforcement, although I was trained in it, this was to be what they call combat MP. And we have yes. all the awesome weapon systems, 50 Cal, Mark 19, freaking, which is a a full auto grenade launching machine gun. Oh, that thing's, you know what I'm talking about? That thing is wild. I love it. Um, oh yeah. You get like accurate 1800 yards. That thing's insane. But anyway, um, so I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do convoy securities. I'm going to kick in doors. I'm going to like, you know, let's do this. And I'll just do one year and I'm going to come home and get out. And that's so why I enlisted for three years. Um, and then what happened was we were finally getting our deployment orders in 2008 so for me to be able to deploy, I'd have to extend. So I extended for another three years. Um, and that way, and so we ended up deploying 2009, came back in 2010. And it was a really interesting time to be in Iraq. And, and to anyone curious, I was in Northern Iraq. I was in, um, first I was in Telafar uh, at Fob Sykes. And then I was in Mosul at Fob Merez in Diamondback. Um, is that what you were going to ask? Because I was in Afghan in 09. So I was like, I wanted, oh. I was like, wait, hold, where were you in? Yeah. So Iraq, I, okay. I shipped out in, yeah, I landed in Kuwait in November of 09. Um, yeah. When, when did you land in, in Afghanistan? I was April to September. So I did this fighting season. Right on. Um, right. Ooh. And yeah. Um, although I will say like, I, you know, my tour was pretty, so I did like a hundred missions. Um, I even did, cause I like to like justify this. Cause I'm like, people shit on national guardsmen. They're, you know, they're, 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 they're not the most, they have the least amount of training. And so right. it is what it is. I was proud of my unit though, because like my, um, first sergeant and my commander, uh, or, uh, they were both prior active duty and the deployments, uh, in that regard. And so they had high standards and expectations and they took pride in it. So I felt like I was better off because of that. Um, but like, I never shot at anyone. Thank God. Like at the time, I, so I'll be honest with you. I, I, I spent years like lying to myself about this until I finally realized like, this is the truth. Like I wanted to, I wanted to shoot a suicide bomber. I wanted to kill one. I was going to, I was going to stop. I was going to be the guy that stopped one, you know, cause these suicide bombers are killing a bunch of innocent people in the process. Um, and I'm going to beat them to it. And it's like the ultimate man versus man. And I wanted, and I was curious, I'm like, how am I going to handle myself? We'll be able to do it. Will I hesitate? Will I be able to recover afterwards? How am I going to, how am I, you know, 
what's my life going to be like? But I felt like I was making like a sacrifice by putting myself in that position. Um, but that never happened. We did get attacked, but it was by dud IEDs. They, um, they threw like, these RKG-3, um, do you know those RKG-3 explosive yep. grenades, that, you know, those shape charges, what, like mm -hmm. tank busters. Um, and they threw two of us at the truck behind me when I was in the gunner, but they were either duds, which I don't believe, or they just weren't, they, they, they weren't Screwed armed. in all the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so they weren't like the safety was on or something. Um, but that was the extent of it. So I'm no badass. Like I, I'm very proud that I did a bunch of missions because a lot of people, they get stuck on the fob and mm -hmm. they call them pogues, which is so mm -hmm. negative. Cause like everyone that like the, all these people are there, my, they're in, they're there, but like, you know what it's like, like if you're like not combat, like people are tough, like they call them pogues, which just stands for person other than grunt, which means that, cause a lot of people aren't aware that like eight out of 10 soldiers are support like they're they're mm -hmm. not frontline combat um and i remember seeing like literally active duty infantry guard the the ecp as we were rolling out and i felt bad for these guys i'm like these guys enlisted as infantry and now they're watching a bunch of national guardsmen roll out on missions <laughs> oh suck for them um, it's it's hard because you do you go train like when i joined i it was like you I joined because I wanted to go do something. So I picked the job that would allow me to go do the thing and then right. end up doing the job originally that I wanted that I didn't get. So it, it all works the way it's supposed to work, but it's true. Most people are support staff and don't get me wrong. You literally cannot, you can't win a war without people supplying you with weapons and food right. and equipment and things like you can't, you, you can't just send an infantry unit out and be like, good luck, God bless. Like yeah. you need support staff, you need people. And that's how it works. But I know what you're saying because my unit, my gun troop was on a fob and those triple sevens did not move, but I got to leave and I got to go do cool shit. And so right. when I went back to that fob, the response is not, I get the vibe that you're saying. Um, it's hard because it, you, most of these guys, they want to go, they want to do movements. They want to do the door kicking. That's just the way it yeah. is. They want to play soldier. Uh, I did get to, I will say I did do a couple cool things. Um, I did kick in one door. Uh, so we did a mission. It was called operation 10 bears. And it was the last joint major, uh, joint mission between the Iraqi army and the U S army. And this was in 2010. And this was along the Syrian border. And basically there was a lot of issues going on with Turkey and Syria and the Iraqi uh, and the government in that there was involved like cigarette in, uh, exports and stuff. And they were, the countries were at odds with each other and we were trying to like stop that. <clears throat> and so we basically did a four day mission outside the wire every night, like just stay, we were out there for four nights. It was wild. Like, so I got to sleep outside the wire and in the process, I did kick in one door, but, but I'm but. sorry. I can, I, you are not, when I look at you, I don't go mm. preacher for sure. Up front. Let's kick it in. You don't, you're Good. the guy who's like, Hey, let me, why don't you tell me where you got the phone number from? Just tell me where the phone number was from. That's you. Right. Like that's good though, because I don't one, I don't, I don't want people to realize I was even a soldier at this point. Like I'm, I'm just Jimmy. And like, cause a lot of people, like I'm I not, get it. there's like almost like a, um, um, it's just not, what am I trying to say? I played soldier for a minute and that was, I'm really glad I did. Um, cause I got and improved my life, um, for a lot of reasons, which we'll get into, but like, um, I'm also like, I'm not, 
I ain't some badass. Like I, I feel like I could think well in stressful moments, which I, which I feel good about. Um, I feel like I'm good shot and all this stuff, but like in my mind, I'm like, I really being happy and love feels really good. And mm-hmm. I've spent enough time in my life being angry and impatient and willing to fight. Like I grew up, like I, I was one of those, I got in fights on the playground. Like I know what it's like to exchange fists and like, so I do have this fight in me. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd rather be the guy that doesn't look like it. I'd rather be the sleeper. I don't, no one yes. ever picks fights with me. I've never gotten like some bar fight or anything. No one, no one. Cause like, you know, like there's some people that go out and just yeah. die, start shit with them. And it's like, I've never had people start shit with me that I didn't know. Um, so that's good. I like that. I don't have like this intimidating demeanor, but I also feel confident that I can defend myself, which I really like. So it's like, when you say it, it's like, I don't like have that look to me. I'm like, good. I don't want to look like some badass <laughs> I don't guy. Look like uh, it. That, I'd rather, I'd rather be full of surprises. Um, um, what was I saying? Oh, 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 about kicking that door. So this was not that cool. This was in the middle of nowhere in northern Iraq. You know, dirt as far as you can see. And there was this abandoned little small town of literal, literal mud huts. And with, they had already done helicopter surveillance the day before. There was no, or even in the, the days leading up to it, no tire tracks. They knew no one was out there. We could see in the sand that led right up to the dirt or to the to the door uh, that there was no one there. So I did kick this thing open, uh, but like we, it was more like it was almost like a training moment mm-hmm. with my team leader because it was like we knew nobody was in there. I was still excited and my heart was pumping, <laughs> but like this wasn't like, and the door wasn't locked. When I say kick it open, it just like I I used my leg to open it. <laughs> like it's like so this was nothing. It, it was cool that I at least did something, but like, I'm not, I tell people, I'm like, the reality is that there's a lot of people that I know that sacrificed everything that got profoundly hurt in more ways than one. And, and, and other people that have to like live with other things that they had done. And like, so by and large, like, I feel like I came back more disciplined. I came back more grateful to be, um, for everything that I have. I great, grateful to have my life grateful for, you see how like, there's this other side of the world lives in abject poverty i literally mm-hmm. saw people in fact this is one of the wildest things and that same mission when we're out there in the middle of the boonies and there was all kinds of people living like this nomadic life off grid living off goat milk and dirt poor literally dirt poor and they're the happiest people i've ever seen in my life all these kids mm-hmm. smiling they had no technology like most of them were operating without electricity some of them had it but um uh and I felt like there was a lesson there. I'm like, here we are in America, as spoiled as we can be, where you can be like a poor, or even in Canada, you could be poor in the United States or Canada. Because if you know, there's some people finding you through me that like don't know that you're you're Canadian. Um, and sorry by uh, the way, <laughs> what, what? sorry by the way, that's Oops. funny. Oh. Um, but like, you could be poor and have a cell phone here and still get three meals a day. Yeah. Right. Like, it's, yep. um, so we're very blessed. And so it's like, whenever I hear people like shitting on the Western world, like, like in America, there's a lot of people that like Americans that like are ashamed to be American. I'm like, Oh, uh, you don't know how good you have it. Like, have you, these people haven't been to countries with shitty plumbing and terrible electricity and this like shitty roads and, and lack of safety. And re- mm-hmm. say what you're going to say. The, um, the, ah, do you ever see these videos? I know you must of uh the young generation the young as if you and i are 76 yeah, years yeah. old here <laughs> yeah um we're, we're 92 year old men on rocking chairs right now with shotguns like yeah. that's our Compared vibe to them. Uh, 
yeah. compared to them. But the what I was going to say to that is you these videos they do and it's like, what's the worst thing that's ever happened in America? And it's like a UC Berkeley student who's like, it's sad when June 19th is talked about more. And I'm like, they're like, or what's 9-11? And they're like, what's 9-11? And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't cope with, I, I cannot cope. I do not do well when I hear young people say things like, what was 9-11? Why did it matter? When I hear individuals say, well, you know, America is the most racist places in place in the world. And then I talk to, uh, a gentleman named Mohammed from France, who's black. And you find out what race, race equality really looks like in France. Like, I mean, we Mm. talk like America and Canada are these prison cells where we have nothing and no one, and we're in the barren cold and everything is horrible. When quite literally, if you have the education or you, or you live in Canada anywhere, most of the time, that means you're clothed, you're fed. That means that if you can't be clothed and fed, some organization will come and clothe and feed you because white people struggling is like the problem. You know, I struggle so hard with people who say that America and Canada are these terrible places. Yes, Canada's falling into communism. We're all aware of it. We know that's one. Take that for what it is and move it to the side. Mm-hmm. Yes, America is really, really struggling with the geriatric president. We get it. Put it to the side. <laughs> there are things in these countries that we all have. We have power We in, in multiple ways. We have literal power as a human being because any of our passports, Canada and America, you go anywhere. It's one of the most respected passports for a reason. It it's a safety component number. Like, like rich people will come save you from a country. If you're Canadian right. or American, you know, the vibe, yep. um, yep. you have vehicles everywhere. You have housing everywhere. You have the opportunity to go do and be whatever the hell you want to be, but that requires effort. So people don't, um, and then right. you complain about it. You complain that life is difficult and that you have no access to anything when quite literally all you need to do is get off your ass and try, and you can be buddy north america that you want to be and yet it's true that's not good enough but when you go to iraq or you go to afghanistan and they have no running water no security they live in a compound they are living off inside the compound with their animals their kids are barefoot and happy and they will share every last drop of tea every piece of food they will hide you from enemies they will do more than a canadian and american will do for its own neighbor so yeah. like, stop your bitching because I've had it and start acting accordingly. Use the tools at your disposal and make something out of your life. But I don't accept this. Like, I don't, American Canada is so hard. No, it's hard if you choose to make it hard. Stop it. Stop it. Right. The privilege. These, the issue is that these, it's through lack of life experience. Like going back to my point, like these people haven't 100%. traveled. Like they don't get, they don't know. Like they're, 100%. they're, 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 and I don't want to, I'm not saying this word to be name calling, but they're ignorant. They don't mm-hmm. know. They don't know uh, any better. And, and well, going back to your like, point, it's like, yeah, we're, there's like a, we're living in a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trauma is trauma is trauma. My buddy said this to me the other day from uh, Fieldcraft Survival. He goes, his name's Casey. And we were ranting about something. And uh, he goes to me, he's like, 
Miss Kelsey, because he's like real Southern and he talks to me like this. And he's like, Miss Kelsey, I don't know what your trauma was, but if you stepped on a butterfly and that broke your world, then ma'am, that is your trauma. The worst thing that has ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So of course there's going to be levels. Right. And people don't seem to realize that like, and I, I really have been inspired by David Doggins and I'm sure you have as well, which is that like suffering, like it's, it's required, it's necessary and it can make us, it does make us stronger and mm-hmm. it's what you do with it. Like we've all suffered. We've all been screwed over by somebody. We've all been hurt by somebody. Some of us, you can say worse than others. There are levels like there are, I'm not going to pretend there aren't people who have suffered far more worse than I have. But the reality is that like, it's what you do of it. And this is part of life. Like it's, it's to live in a completely pillowed, comfortable life. You don't, you will never know how good you have it. Like if you, if you don't experience bad times, how do you know what the good times feel like? And it's like right. little things in life that feel so good, but you won't even know what that, how good you don't know what it is without the perspective of, of the, uh, the other end of it. Well, and going on deployments and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you were, and thank you for giving me the space to talk about Iraq with you. That is yeah. really beautiful because I know it's not something you do talk about. So I'm going to pry a little more because that's what Please. I do. Um, so thanks for holding space for that and being willing, because a lot of people that listen to this show, they're 86% men and they're 86% American. And a lot of them are vets and they need right. to understand that. Um, and this is kind of where the strength lies and what we do on this show is they need to understand and see other guys that have made it out successfully and done something that had nothing yeah. to do with the military or guns. Like I know right. Delta operators who will never own a gun a day in their life again, because they go, anytime I had a gun, if it was pulled, that guy's getting something in the face. Like it's not, right. it's not like, Oh, I'm, I'm security. It's like, if I'm pulling a gun, someone is dying and period, no questions asked. And so they need to understand that There's life outside being a contractor. There's life outside being a special operator. You can literally go and create the life you want and you can do it the way you did it. And you've done it so differently too, right? You've done it very profoundly. Yes. Yes. This is the thing. People need to realize that like the, they, they gave us the skill sets, which is the discipline routine. Those things are so incredibly important. The value of one having being in shape, uh, healthy in body and mind because they go hand in hand. But like the discipline aspect, which is that like y- if, if you need to know an answer, you know how to go find it. Like it, and you got to hold yourself accountable as well. And whether it's never mind, even just like the fact that we can get like a free education, basically. But like you can do anything like you were saying at the beginning of this conversation. You can do anything you want in this life. And, but a lot of people don't seem to realize that a lot of fellow veterans that I know, they think that, oh, I'm not qualified to do anything else. Like, no, that's not true. Like that, that is not true whatsoever, actually. And I think this is one of the things like with a lot of veterans suffering from depression, I feel like the reason, well, there are many reasons, but I feel like one of the, the reasons as well as the cures involves a sense of purpose. Like it's so bizarre to admit that when I was in Iraq. Yeah. So this is, so this is weird. So when I was in Iraq at that time, I believed that what I was doing was justified. I hadn't woken up to the fact yet that, that I shouldn't have, that I was an invader in someone else's country at that point in time. I thought I was doing them a favor. 
Um, and so at that time, and I was 25 when I was there, um, I, I slept better than I probably ever have. I felt so content. I felt good. And I got such a sense of rush going outside the wire and on a mission thinking I was, you know, it's this excitement. I felt like I was defending people that needed help. And because of that sense of purpose, I felt contentment. And I feel like a lot of people get out of the military and they thought that they were going to, it was going to be different. They thought they were going to be respected. They thought they were going to be treated differently. They thought that they were going to have more opportunities than they do. And they've been left without a sense of purpose. And this is what I tell people now. Someone else had told me this, but purpose fixes everything. It will, it will earn you money. It will make you better with women. It will make you, it will give you a career. It will, it will, it will get rid of your depression. If you have a sense of purpose that you wake up for every day, and, and this is where it gets tricky because a lot of people, the hard part is figuring out what your purpose is. A lot mm -hmm. of people think they have to do something so big. They think like, oh, Jesus, if I'm not here, you got someone like Elon Musk, you know, creating a car company and, 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 and uh, sending rockets to space as a civilian. Populating the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Single-handedly. <laughs> yeah. How many kids has he got? Yeah. Um, and, and so people like, like, oh, I'm not doing something big enough. I'm like, if you're doing something to improve the world in any capacity, whether it's improve other people's lives, whether it's as a teacher, whether it's anything, providing some sort of service for anybody, like you are, that could be a sense, that is a sense of purpose, as long as it's something that you enjoy. And I'm somebody that's been very philosophical. Uh, uh, I go down the, the, looking at the philosophies of others, like Joseph Campbell that said, if you love what you do and you do what you love, it's not work. And that's what people need to chase. If you can find a way to make money doing that, if it's something you enjoy, it won't feel like you're, that you're dragging your ass to go to work. Um, and I feel like for people, um, this is the big secret. It's like, you got to have a sense of purpose. And if you do it, it'll fix every single thing in your life. Um, and you, it's just the, the, the hardest part is people just not realizing that. Yeah, they don't realize it. I don't know if it's because, and I think I went through this process too when I got out. So you were 25 when you got out or you were 25 in Iraq? In Iraq. So I was older than most, you know, a lot of other yeah. people were 19, 20, 21. And uh, so I was a little bit older. It's because I was in basic training when I was 23. I was okay. like one of, I was the oldest person in my, well, not in my whole platoon, but um, on my floor that I was on in the barracks, uh, yeah. which is wild. I'm like 23 and I'm the old guy. Like what? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Talk about sending your 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 sons and your daughters for real. I mean, like when yeah. I got out, I was 21 when I got out. out. Oh wow. I was wow. deployed at I I was deployed at 19. I was medically released and Shit. told I would never work again at the age of 21. And so wow. when they say things like that to you and you transition out and you are left with no purpose. That's a real that's a real thing for me where I get really upset because it that's a preventable thing to that. You can fix that. You can fix that so that when people leave, whether you've given them a class or a tool or someone to talk to, you brought a speaker in and America is working to get better at this. Cause I know a lot of individuals, friends of mine who go and talk to these like transitioning out classes and they're working to be like, Hey man, you don't have to have a university degree. You barely graduated high school, but these are the jobs that you can go do. You can start your own thing. We're all so driven. We've, we're all A-type personalities, most of us that joined the service. We all have a personal like burning flame that could drive us if we accessed mm. it properly or knew how to. So the least that we can do is try to show people that you don't have to you really don't have to have had a master's in something to go achieve something. Uh, no. 
I barely graduated high school. And like, look it's, at me over here. I'm sorry, but like, please, it can happen. It's a scam. It. It's a scam that they sell that it's, it's big education. They're trying to make you think like, this is, this is what I was taught. It's like, oh, you got it. You have to get a degree. Yes. It's like these check boxes in life that you got to check these boxes off and you will have a happy, successful life. And that's one thing. So I get out of the military. I go back to school thinking I have to. And um, I had this job I didn't care for. And I was applying at other places. I couldn't get anything. So let me go back and get a master's of business administration. And it was midway through that program that I became super depressed because I had no purpose. I felt like I was chasing this uh, corporate career. I was like, okay, I'll become a corporate manager and make my six figures and life will be good. And then, and then I'm realizing like I was as unhappy as I could possibly be. And it's like, whether it's like Elon Musk and all these other people, it's like, you do not need in, in, in education. In fact, it's bullshit. I mean, if you're going to become a doctor or a lawyer, that's one thing. But right. um, surgeons, need surgeons to is, need to cut right, human yeah, bodies. Need, yeah, better memorize something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like, you don't. You, what you need is a specialty. What you need is, a, right. is something that, and then train in that. And whatever it is that your interest is and in, in, in that you're passionate about, that you enjoy, something that's fun, you can monetize it. And through the the internet and everything else, like this is something that it's changed the entire world. And we're seeing that like, so for me, like I tell people don't go to college anymore. I'm like, unless there's something very specific that you want to do, don't do it. Um, because like I regretted that big time. In fact, I've never been a fan of school. And some people, when they find out I have a master's degree, they're like, oh, you know, you're like, sound like you know, you want to lose, you know, you're like the smart guy or some shit. I'm like, no, I bullshitted my way through that whole fucking program. I don't care. Like I hate studying. And that's just something I enjoy. Like certain right. courses I was actually good at, but other ones I'm like, oh my God, I'd spend more time trying to bullshit my homework assignments just because I couldn't stand it. It was right. miserable. Um, and so, yeah, like telling people like, you got to find your purpose and what you're passionate about. And if you don't know what it is, here's how you do it. You got to experience new things, try new things, mingle in different groups of people, take up some hobbies, play around, do something you haven't done before. And that's, that is how you'll find it. Um, and, and that's the thing. A lot of people, a lot of people like we're creatures of habit and routine. We do the mm -hmm. same shit every day. People go to the same damn grocery store, the same restaurants, they order the same thing off the menu. They've, they, you know, they hang out with the same people and they just live this life of just a repetitive life with nothing new. And they hardly ever have new experiences. Not everyone is like this. Most people are like this. And if you, if you live that, you're not going to figure out, you don't know what you don't know. And if you try something new and hang around some different people, all of a sudden, all these, these these doors and windows that open that you didn't even know existed. That's what's beautiful, though. If you utilize the community around you and the people that you have access to, instead of pretending like you're the ego's too big, the e you allow the ego to step in front of you so that you don't mm. ask for that help or that contact or that conversation or those moments. Hey, can I just talk to you for a couple seconds? I've seen you do something successfully this way. Hey, do you got a piece of advice on this? That is one of the mm. biggest things that I talk about on the show is why the hell we have 44 suicides a day and over 50,000 nonprofits in America that service veterans. I can tell you why, because no one's talking to each other because everybody wants to be the person who fixes the problem. Therefore, the ego right. steps up front and says, you know what? No, I have to be the one to do it. It's the same when you get out. You can do all right. of these things. You can have these conversations. One of the best, I would argue, one of the best tools and worst things that have ever happened to the world are Instagram. Uh, let me explain. Oh, yeah. So 
Instagram is where 90% of every guest I've ever booked on this show or have contacted for my business or done anything through have been through Instagram. I will stalk your ass. I will find you and then I will eventually get your attention. It works all the time. But then it also causes all the problems in the world, right? Like depression in adolescence, children using it, um, trafficking situations. There's there's just so many things that it does wrong. But if you reach out to someone on Instagram that's in our community, a veteran, the first responder, whatever, and you see them do something and they can't answer you, just try. The worst you can do is try. What what happens if they say, no, I don't have time? Or what happens if they just don't answer? Okay, then how much time did you really waste? Because what happens if they do? What happens if they take that second and they do answer you and now you're on their radar? It works and it can happen, but you have to do the, the work for it. Right. People, I think what holds people back a lot of time is that they fear the rejection. They think, what if the person doesn't respond or whatever? And this, I tell people, like, that's like, you got to, people have to embrace failure. That if anyone that's ever been successful, and I would encourage anyone listening to find a, a few of the most successful people that they admire most and look at their past and look at how many times they had to fail to get to where they're at. That is how things go. You got to embrace it. It, there's a saying, I'm actually stealing this from um, Conor McGregor's coach, Coach Kavanaugh, but he said something that resonates with me years ago, which is we win or we learn. You know, instead of saying we win or we mm-hmm. lose, no, no, we win or we learn. And with every failure, there's an opportunity for improvement. There's something that you can take out of it and you have to just keep doing it. Just keep going. Like if you, if you fail, if you do something a hundred times and you fail 99, you, you, you know, all you got to do is be successful at one thing, one time. And like that can take you off. So it's like, mm-hmm. people have to embrace failure, get over rejection. Who gives a shit? Like, I know that's right? easier said than done, but like, come on, you got to drive on. Like you got to right. like, you know, um, and, and, and this is something that ties into, I had a podcast recently and I was sharing, um, we were talking about just like internet, um, mm-hmm. comments and stuff like that. And the trolls and people going after you. And I'm like, listen, uh, cause a lot of people fear criticism. And well, everyone does, I'd say, but there's a quote from a famous, well, not a famous, it's usually, this quote is usually wrongly attributed to Aristotle, but it's actually a, a poet from like hundred years ago in England. He said, involving criticism, the only way to, in, to avoid criticism is to do nothing, say nothing and be nothing. And this is why I tell people, I'm like, come on, you got to make a decision. Do you want to do something in your life? Do you want to be something? Do you have something to say? Do you have something to share? This comes with the territory. Go look up your favorite musicians of all time and go look at your favorite song on the YouTube channel and go read through the comments and look how mortified you will be at the things people are saying. Go find your most, the person you admire the most and go look at criticism mm-hmm. on Reddit about these. And you'll see people shutting them to death. There's, it comes with the territory. And right. the more successful you are, the more hate that you'll get. And so it should encourage people. Like once you realize like, shit, they're actually are talking about me. Like I've made it because you knew this was going to happen. I knew if I was going to make videos on these nerdy topics that I do, people would shit on me. And so it's like, you know, the more that people are shit on me, I'm like, oh, well, I must be shit. I'm getting to the level that I wanted to be at in the first place. You know, right. so you got to learn how to just deal with this stuff. Um, and so I, I would tell people like, just embrace it. Like this is part of the game of life. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it is, it is impossible to be without it. It would be nice if it, the world would be great if people were nicer, but like, that's not how this works. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it. true. And there's something to be said for being around so often that you live rent-free in others' heads. And I'm quite all right yeah. with that. It's fun. 
it's I'm moving all in. Fun. I'm moving in. So everybody get <laughs> comfortable. With, yeah, that's right. Just get comfortable and, because I'm about to move into all your heads real quick. And there's something very special about doing. One of the greatest feelings in life, I would say, is doing what others said you could not do. Oh, it's the best. Oh, Jimmy, that is, I'm so sorry. And I hate to admit this because that's a very vain thing, but I'm telling you right now, Ooh, that's what I go for. That's what I aim for. It's if good. you just say one time, you know, I just, I remember one day mm -hmm. somebody told me, they're like, why don't you just, why don't you just like have a, no joke. Why don't you just have a couple kids? And why don't you just have like a half a million dollar a year business and just like mm -hmm. live your life and like do, do things like that. And I was like, uh, oh, so now you know what I have to do. I have to dominate the entire globe. Great. Because now I have that complex, but as it happens, oh my God. Yeah. Here's my cup. He, here's another quote that goes along with this. Um, I liked playing baseball when I was young, but I never made the team and I broke my wrist my senior in high school. Maybe that would have been my year to make it, but I was still growing and it was, wasn't that good. But I remember my, our coach, he didn't just say this to me, he said it to others. He said, the easiest thing you can do in life is quit. Mm -hmm. And this ties into everything. This ties in whether it's suicide and that's a very sensitive topic, but I mean, anything in life. The easiest thing you can do in life is quit. And it's like, I don't know, it kind of it kind of burns because it's like, are you just going to quit? Well, that's easy. You're going to take the easy way out? Okay. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's like, it kind of, because a lot of people, if, if nothing, just like this self, um, how do I want to put it? There's something special about it because it's like, it's it's very encouraging, encouraging, but like, you're going to really take the easy way out, huh? Well, you just mm -hmm. quit. Yeah, just quit like everyone else. And it's like, so since we're being, this world is becoming so soft and people give up so easily. If you're willing to just keep going, you will stand out and have such an unbelievable advantage over everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and it's only getting worse because everyone, whether it's having this victim mentality and people quitting so easily, like I see other people starting YouTube channels, they'll make a couple videos, none of them take off and they just quit and that's it. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God. I'm like, it took me forever. Like I, oh my God, like my channel sucked. Like it was nothing. Like I had, it took me four months to get a hundred followers. And I remember seeing people leave comments like, you should quit. You suck at this. <laughs> and all I did is film me. I'm like, uh, I know I could do better. And so I'm going to. And so it's like, but a lot of people, they don't realize that if you just don't give up, if you just keep going and you yeah. learn from your mistakes, got to look a little bit of what the criticism says here and there, as long as it's like, I don't, if people insult me, I won't listen to what they have to say, but sometimes people will literally tell you the truth and, and just embrace it. Um, and you know, ignore the haters, but like embrace a little bit of what you could do better. Cause you could always do something better. Like excellence is not a skill set. Excellence is a attitude. It is literally taking that extra time to like, I can be a little bit better here, maybe a little bit better there. And that's what excellence is, 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 is putting in just a little bit more effort and then realizing what's like, truly, do I truly believe that this is as good as it could be? Or could I be a little bit better and take that extra 10 minutes, like, I know I could fix this a little bit. Maybe I should, maybe I should re-edit this a little bit, but you don't want to, because you're already done and you're already at your deadline. You feel like this is, should be it. Things like this. It's all a mentality. And if, you, if you're just willing to try a little bit harder, you will outdo the 99% of everyone else. It's not hard.
No, it's really not. It's about consistency and just driving forward. I mean, look at the podcast situation over the past, you know, boom, since Rogan did what he did for that community. Look at it. I mean, for God's sakes, during COVID, I think there was 2 million new podcasts and they've all dropped off since because people are like, well, I've been doing it for six months and I haven't popped. How does it work? Like I've stayed consistent for six months. It's like, do you understand the amount of effort that goes into making sure every week of every goddamn month of every year, your voice is out there. The amount of time and effort it goes into doing things. If you just stay consistent, you will just keep winning. It, it You can't not. It's true. It's true. And something else I want to throw in there, and this will tie in with what we were talking earlier about our spirituality, is the realization. So this is where my whole life improved with this. I'm going to get into some woo-woo stuff, but Ooh, I like I'm it. a woo-woo guy. Woo. I'm all about the woo-woo. And this is I love it. something that has been proven to me through my own experience. So um, something a lot of people don't know about me is that um, like when I was starting my YouTube channel, I was living in Boise, Idaho. I had just got divorced and I was living alone with my two dogs and I had pretty much no friends out there because I had moved from Phoenix with my then wife to Boise, Idaho. We're starting new. And and then um, I didn't have family out there and I spent a vast majority of those four plus years alone. And when you're alone, you start to realize how uh, affected we are by what other people think. And then when you're alone, you start thinking for yourself and you care less and less what people think because you're just alone. And, <laughs> um, and with it, I started experimenting with just law of attraction and just the powers in, in, of the universe. Yes. And so I was experimenting with things that I ended up realizing that proved to me to be true that I end up hearing from other people later on that, was like so validating. I'm like, holy shit, I know this to be true. And that is that the power of belief. It is the realization, like I said earlier, that I am one with the source that all that is and the source of all that is is one with me. And because of that, all things that are possible are possible through me. And whenever I uh, um, set my intention on something, say I want to make some good video or whatever it is, I put it out there to the universe that I'm like, I believe I can make a good one. And and then it's like these, and people think I'm crazy, but like I get these flashes of ideas that have panned out so well to me where I'm like, how, did, where the hell did this idea come from? Mm-hmm. And, and it's been proven to me time and time again, where I believe that through the power of belief, that if you believe that if I keep trying and I can be successful at something, I'm telling you, it's like you unlock access to these other realms of the universe that will, will bless you. And I know this sounds crazy and the other way of looking at it would just be like, so say if I was explaining this to a non-believer, uh, someone with like a nihilistic mentality, I would say like, if nothing else, just the positive attitude mm-hmm. and, and, and not willing to give up the consistency and just, you know, believing that like, ah, I could be better. If nothing else, embracing that kind of attitude will help you. It's far better mm-hmm. than, than, than embracing a negative mindset. But I will say- right. I am a believer that like our brains are like antennas to all kinds of information flying around in this universe. And as I've connected with some really interesting people in my life uh, and some people that have gone on to be very, very successful and done some amazing things, they've said the same thing that I've said. It's like literally that power belief and that they've manifested things in their life. And it's just once you experience it, it becomes easier. And I think yeah. this is what it it says in the Bible. And I'm not like some Bible thumper. Like I told you, I was raised Catholic and I dumped that. But it does talk about how uh, there's this passage in there that talks about how 
people have everything will get more and people who have nothing will all will be taken away. And mm-hmm. it sounds very cruel and it sounds very shitty. But what I think the true interpretation of that is that those who have manifested and believe can get more. And those who basically think that nothing good is going to ever happen to them. Those who think that like, oh, I can't do that. Other people can have that, but I'm not good enough. Well, because you believe that, that is what is true. It's just like Confucius had said, um, those who believe he can, can, and those who believe he can't, cannot. Something, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing that. Um, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? No, like, oh my God. Manifestation and- I live by it. Okay. I, I live by it. I'm not exaggerating. More. Okay. I'm going to tell you everything. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. So I'm ready. that started for me when I started uh, down the psychedelic journey. And that, that really got to that point where I was at, where I spoke about it on Lex Friedman. And I had said, I told about my first ayahuasca journey and why it was so powerful because it turned a light switch on again in me, right? It also took physical pain and trauma away and healed things that needed to be healed. But what it did was teach me that the power of my mind is insanity. And if I just listened for a second, instead of listening, because I had, I still have, it just, it's taken a back seat and it, it comes out when I tell it to and no other time, which I know people are like, you're nuts. I'm like, no, we all have these voices. I don't care what anybody says. You don't want to admit it. That's on you. But mm-hmm. I had that voice. It's, it's, and it's like in my book, he's the PTSD voice. It's the thing that says, fuck you, sit down, bitch. You cannot do a goddamn thing. And that's what mm-hmm. it is. And that voice lived in me to the point where it was so loud that I couldn't hear anything else. So, Ayahuasca mm. gave me the the healing that allowed me to change the way my thought processes worked and show me the power of my own mind. So uh, I said to my husband one day, I am going to get on Lex Friedman. This is the best example. I am nobody. I have a brand. I, you know, I've, I've had some stuff in the public eye with my jewelry company from, you know, 17, 18, 19, you know, like all those types of things, but not anybody that should be on anybody's radar in any sort of way. So I said, you know what I'm going to do though? I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to put just a story on Instagram. I'm going to tag him and I'm going to tag Russell Brand because I would like to talk to both of them. So I said, yeah. I, I still have the story. It was a lime green post simply said, I want to talk to Russell Brand and Lex Friedman. And then I left it, didn't think anything of it. I checked my DMs and Lex Friedman messaged me. And I told my husband and he's like, let me see. Is it like, you know, one of those uh, fake bots or one of those like fake people who's like impersonating him? Like, like, hey, I don't want you going to fly somewhere in a trafficking situation here. You know, so he's (laughs) like, let me say like online, I'm a small woman, you know, the whole thing. So anyway, um, I put it out to there and I said like, I, and then I meant, I literally sat there, I meditated on it. And all I asked was very simple. I am trying to do something big. I'm trying to get people to hear my voice. What's one of the biggest platforms that I can get on that will hear my voice. And I put it out there and that was it. And I got the DM and then I got on the phone and then uh, two weeks later I was there. The thing that can happen that needs to happen in order for those moments of manifestation and um, whether it's through meditation or whether it's just sitting and journaling and writing it down and then burning it, whether it's something you pray over, whether it's whatever you say out loud, 
When mm. you speak, you're spelling it into existence. When it comes out of your mouth, it mm. makes an impact to the world and a ripple that you have no clue and how right. it's going to impact you. But here's where people mess up. And they're like, well, this, these are the people that say, nothing good ever happens to me. I, you know, and it never will. I'm not around them. Why would they ever know of me? Blah, 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 blah. All the excuses in the world. Mm -hmm. The reason it never happens for them is because they never speak it into existence. They never think of it as a thing. Like, here's me. I'm going five years ago. I'm going to write a book. It's going to be with the top publishers. I'm going to have it everywhere. It's going to be on the New York Times bestseller list. I'm going to get it on so-and-so-and-so show, and I'm going to do it. And every day, I repeat myself every morning. I say it out loud. I don't care if anybody hears me. I don't care if I'm walking in the cul-de-sac and someone's like, what the fuck? I don't uh -huh. care. It's coming out of my mouth. And guess what? I can prove to you. I can watch the trajectory. I have my book coming out this year. It will be a New York Times bestseller. It is reviewed by the best, baddest dudes in the world. And I am going to get on Joe Rogan with it. And I am going to sit on that New York Times bestseller list for a hot minute. Do you know why? Because I did the work. I put it out there into existence and I'm going to make it happen. But you have to speak it into existence. You have to. So I 100% agree. This is something that I've done myself and it has worked time and time again to where I'm like, oh my God, like, and, and, and I'm not going to name drop, but I've, I've chatted with some very interesting people and they've, they've said the same exact thing. Your words, your thoughts create things and you put that into, you, you know, you believe it, speak it, receive it. It it's true, but you have to believe it. And I think one of the tricks is to be imagining, um, the end result. So what you should be like, say you want to be on Rogan, you should be imagining yourself sitting in front of him with your hands on that desk or table I already know in front what of I'm him. Wearing. I know what I'm wearing, go. son. I know what this perfume is... I put on that day. There you go. And all those details, I swear, I'm like, some people listening to us won't believe it. And there's nothing I it's can okay. do to convince them. But I will say that like experiment, experiment with it and see for yourself. Mm -hmm. Cause seeing is believing like you can't, I can't convince anyone of this. Um, but when I'm, and if nothing else, I would tell people just embrace that positive mindset and power belief. What, what you got to lose? It's not going to hurt you. Um, but I do know that it does do something. When you put that, those words into existence, it does leave some sort of imprint or echo through this, through this different dimensions or, or energy vibrate. Yeah. There's something, this universe is not, this is an illusion. Like this is, if we're made up of atoms and mm -hmm. atoms are this mis held together by this mysterious electrical force that binds them together, yet none of them are touching. And so essentially, if nothing, if we're made up of atoms and none of them are touching, that means that this is by definition an illusion, that this is not what, what right? it appears to be through the veil of the human eyes. And people, you need a, like the science of it. I'm like, this is clearly, I don't know if I want to use the word simulation because I feel like it, 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 it takes away from the, because it's more than just a computer system. Like people th right. think of simulation, like, oh, okay, you're saying we're advertising. Like, well, no, it goes beyond that. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I'm a total believer in it and my whole life has improved. And I, I have witnessed miracles, literal miracles time and time again from the power of belief in speaking things to an existence. And people will, will um, experience it at the right time for them. Like, because like this falls on deaf ears. Like if you try to preach mm -hmm. God or something to somebody yes. who doesn't believe, Ain't gonna go and fucking in one nope. ear and out the other. They don't want to hear it. it. Ain't gonna work. But um, 
if there's nothing else, it's the power of belief and visualizing the end result that you want. That is where good, I don't know, I've experienced it time and time again. I don't know how else to say it. Well, I, I know personally, when I was a fighter, um, I used visualization. That was something my coaches and I used mm. when it came down, when it came game time, like yep. when it, you know, there's something about getting kicked in the face. You learn really quickly. You don't like to be kicked in the face. And so for me, <laughs> since about the age of four to when I stopped fighting at 19, that was a tool. That was the thing that we used. Even when I was six, my coach, we would be sitting down. We're like, who's going to win? I'm going to win. How are we going to win? This is how we're going to win. What's it look like up there? It looks fucking awesome up there. What's up there? That medal in my hand. What color is that medal? That medal is gold. Why is it gold? Because yeah. I trained for it. I worked for it. I deserve it. And I'm going to get it. So these mm. conversations, self-talk and the living, what I would consider, you, you said, you know, you know, even if it's just positive mindset, one of the things that I say to kind of illustrate that is 1% better than the day before you were, but then the day before Hell so yes. look at it this way, yep. it's that simple. So it's like, I yep. said this on a podcast recently. I actually, it's so, cause it's so funny. You said that I released the clip today and it was very simple. And it was like, be 1% better than you were yesterday. I, I, I saw the clip. Yep. Yeah. But it, but it doesn't have to be like, I have to be 1% lift heavier. It's like, these are small things like giving yourself more grace, being kinder to yourself when it comes to something you're, yeah. you know, you're working through drinking more water, being kinder to your spouse. Like this just can be 1%, but those 1%, they stack. And that goes yep. into everything else, like manifestation that goes to energy that goes to putting yourself out there. And my husband jokes, he finds this comical at best. He goes, listen, I think it's probably best that you just keep traveling forever. And I go, I'm sorry, try that again. And he goes, no, let me explain. Because every single time and anybody who's been around me for the existence of my company will say to you, every single time. I walk into an airport or I get on a plane, there'll be one thing that I can guarantee about that flight. I will have run into somebody famous. I will have sat down or been sat with somebody who's famous, or I will have lunch in the lounge with somebody who is famous. And do you know that every single time I have been in an airport, that's for, been for a business trip. It happened to Burt Kreischer like a month ago. He was in Vancouver doing a show. And I wear hats, as you can tell. I'm a hat. This is, I don't have a top of That's my a head. killer hat. I like that hat. Thank you. Well, this is my new one. Daisy may make Good some. One. This is this is my OG. This is like uh, the people call me the um, the poltergeist. I walk in. That's with... a nice, that's a nice hat. Yeah. What brand is that? Daisy May. They're my sponsor. Right on. Well, there Nashville. you go. People need to go buy one right, right now. Those Thank are killer you. hats. They are. Yeah. And so I wear these hats and it, it stands out. So I'm walking through the airport. I'm in the hippiest clothes I own because that's how I travel. And I walk by and I look at the corner of my eye and I'm like, Bert Kreischer. I want to have that guy on my podcast. I've been trying to get to him. Right. So had I walked you, by. You hadn't met him up until that point. So he was. No, of course. Stranger he was than, a complete stranger. And right. I call my husband. And I'm like, Bert Kreischer's here. He's like, why are you talking to me? What are you doing? And I was like, for some reason, I feel weird about this one. He goes, since when? Do you get uncomfortable introducing yourself to people about yourself? And I go, mm -hmm. I wait, I go, wait, have it in. Let me, I'm going to do it. So the, his people are watching me from afar because I'm texting, I'm thinking, I'm texting, I'm thinking, and then I just walk over, right? So I yeah. walk over and I'm like, I literally just walk into a circle. I'm like, hey, Bert, nice to meet you. My name's Kelsey Sharon. And he's like, 
Nice to meet you. I said, you know, I'm a combat veteran. I do this thing with the suicide prevention buddy check. This is my company, blah, 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 blah. I have this show. It does this and it does this. Well, I'd like to have you on it. And he was like, great. Gives me his phone. I put my info in. Oh, right on. It's like, I'd love to have you on the show. I'm like, cool, whatever. Leave it alone. Take a picture, leave. And so my point in saying this is if you put it out there, you're going to be put in the right situation at the right time. And in order for that to work out, my flight had to be canceled and I had to be on a different one. But in my mind, I don't even get upset anymore because I know there is a reason why I missed that green light. I know there's a reason why when I got to the airport, that wasn't the good parking spot. I had to walk an extra 20 minutes. I know why things happen. And I trust that they're happening the way they're supposed to happen. Even the things we talked about before the show. I trust that there's a reason that everyone has to go through what they have to go through, do what they have to do, because it will get them to where they're supposed to be. You just got to trust in the world that way, man. Right. And I'm a total believer in that, in that when I've had like these spectacular synchronicities, these, these coincidences that go are far beyond coincidences. And then I start replaying, I'm like, all the little things that had to happen for it to, for it to have happened at all. And I'm Dude. like, if I hadn't done this and this and this and that. It's like, holy shit. And the implications of it are so wild because I'm like, and so now I embrace them. Like, you know, whatever life brings at me, like this is, you know, there are reasons for this. And sometimes things like pan out in such spectacular fashion that I'm like, who, who manifested who? Like, how did that, you know, it's like, it, that's it's how really you and I wild. met. That's how you yeah. and I met. You met, you and I met. And it's good to give a shout out because I love Phil. Phil's one of my favorite people in the whole world. We're starting Phil a podcast Demers. together. Yes. Phil Demers and I are starting a podcast Whisper. together. And mm-hmm. he is one of the greatest people I've ever met. You're doing a um, podcast together, like one time or like a bunch of them, like a full no, on. Podcast. We're going to do a show called Let's Get Different Together. Oh, my God. When are you guys starting this? We're in the works of it right now. I love it. Phil, that would be awesome. He is such a cool guy. Like yeah. he is such a sweetheart. He's smart. He's a fighter. Like yeah. I just love He's vicious. Um, yes, he's vicious. He is. That's something I love about him. And, but he's such a sweetheart. But he's also like, you know. He knows what it's like. And yes. yeah, when you guys do that, if you guys have guests on, bring me on. We will. Bill and I have I unfinished business. We you... have unfinished business. We were working on some stuff together and there's still yeah. a, a few things that are left on the, that we got to do. Cause, Good, it, because these whales are still in there. These, they're these, still there. This is, his story is insane. Anyone not familiar, look up Phil Dimmers. He's the walrus whisperer. He's got these awesome documentaries. And it's just like, he, he sacrificed so much because he said the truth. And he got railroaded in the process by big corporations that stand to make a lot of money on the suffering of animals. And he's such an interesting person in that, like, a lot of people think of, like, animal rights and they think, oh, they're vegans or whatever else. No. (laughs) Not eating steak. And that's what's so funny is that, like, so many other of these animal rights people, like, hate them because, like, you eat meat, you're a hypocrite. And it's like, him and I are the same way. I'm like, "Uh, we want the whales out of those fucking bathtubs. uh, And, yeah, we're still going to eat cow. Leave us alone. Um, And so he's just such an interesting guy. He's not, like, this typical... Uh, animal rights person that like, no. you know, you must be vegan or you cannot be, or you are a hypocrite. It's like, he's a real down earth person. He's just trying to do the right thing. And I just love him. Yeah. He's, and that's how we met was I was supposed to go down to Miami. You guys linked up, you were down there doing yep. the protest with him, which I love to see my God. I love, yeah. he's so vicious. He's, he's such a great dude. And so, and I was, he was like, Hey, I'm here with Jimmy Corsetti. You should talk to him. And I was like, okay, well then Send me, send me his DM. And then you guys, you're like, Hey, Kelsey, I'd like to do a show. And I was like, let's go son. So, but that's what I'm saying is 
You meet the people you're supposed to meet. I don't even know how I met Phil. I met, I think I DM'd him on Instagram when I started the show and I was like, Hey, I'd love to have you on. I'm Canadian. You're Canadian. I love what you're doing. I think what you right. do matters. And I'd love to give it if I can, not that you need my voice. Cause at that point he had, you know, done everything, but he's like, right. I would love to talk to you. And we, we striked up a good friendship and that's how you and I got together. And that's what I'm saying. It's a, you have to put your energy out there. And you, you touched yep. on something I do want to touch um, on within this conversation that's important. And I promise I won't let you, I won't let you go too far. I'll pull you back if I need. You're a big um, advocate, if you will, of free speech. And I know you understand the, the way of the world is changing and how we communicate. And I've heard you uh, talk about this on other shows before. And I, I want to get into it a little bit with you because I feel like yeah. you are not only educated, but you understand from a historic perspective, what happens when you start to stifle freedom of speech? So people, a lot of people on the younger demographic don't realize just the reason for the first amendment and that, so I am like this ancient history nerd and <laughs> I have all kinds of fun ideas about different things. But if there's one thing that I have learned is that historically, there seems to be a rinse cycle repeat pattern in every single corner of the world where there are these tyrants that seize power and control. And in the process, they always stop people from speaking out against them and their atrocities and whatever else they're doing. And throughout history, every single time people stop others from sh sharing, just censoring, it always leads to a complete catastrophe of countless people dying and it's always 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 the bad people that are censoring others and the reason why we have freedom of speech and the reason why it's the first amendment in the united states is because without that you can't do anything else like all of your other rights will disappear if you don't have the right to say something say what you you know just and and this is something that i find deeply deeply troubling because we're seeing it throughout the world canada the united states everywhere that they are, you know, big tech is censoring others. The mainstream media isn't sharing all forms of truth. They're omitting things. And I'm seeing these similarities between things that were going on uh, in the 1930s. It seems like we're getting ready to go down this path of, of repeating history. And to, a lot of people, like, this is the thing. We don't get taught this in school. Like, they don't teach us what tyranny means. They don't teach us how things fell into place for Hitler to have got the level of power that he did or Stalin or, or, or uh, in Russia or the Maoists in China that like, all right, like in Russia, they killed like 20 million of their own people. And Stalin would just keep purging his top leaders and everyone just keep by purging. I mean, all of them, their families, everybody. And, and you just keep doing it over and over again. The Maoists, they starved out their own people, tens of millions of people, the dissenters, like, this is something that people don't seem to realize. They, 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 they think that, oh, that happened so long ago, that wouldn't happen again. And I'm like, no, you don't. They need to, like, redefine the human species and the encyclopedia to include that there are a small percentage of people that are so power hungry that they will literally kill millions of people and, and they'll never stop until someone stops them. And it's so unnecessary. And one thing that's like, okay, like I was saying, I was a, a senior high school on 9-11, and I've seen how much the world has changed since then, and, and how over the last decade, 
censorship has become a real thing. And, and what I'm trying to tell other people is like, listen, I remember the days when there was no censorship. Freedom of speech was a real thing and everything was fine. The world, <laughs> right? the merry-go-round of life went round and round. The worst case scenario, you know, you got ridiculed and people laughed at you and like they didn't agree with you, but everything was fine. Conspiracy theories and everything. Cause like they're trying to say now it's like, Oh, we have dangerous misinformation and you're going to, you know, by doing this, you're, not, you're spreading that. It's like, no, no. The only thing dangerous is stopping other people from having a voice. And this has been proven throughout history. This is not new. This has been done. It's been played. It's been tested. And I'm telling you with absolute certainty that in every corner of the world, this has happened. And it leads into a complete oblivion of, 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 of death and destruction. And it's so unnecessary. But this is the first thing that happens in every example of tyrannical control and tyranny and, and these fascist dictators. It's that the, the first step is you control what people say. And, and not to get like, um, this will sound like getting off track to some people, but let's compare it to Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, who I admire. I love him. I want to meet him. Um, right. and, and going back a number of years, he was getting all kinds of flack for basically saying, because in, in Canada, they were trying to come up with compelled speech, which is that like you would be forced to trying? address somebody no, based no, no. on their, no, no, yeah, no, no, already, no, already done, right? That's done. And B, Bill C-11 passed this week. Oh my God. Okay. So I missed that memo. Um, so that's extremely, yeah. so in other words, so what does that mean? It's illegal. If I call somebody something they don't want to be called, I'm now in legal trouble. Like well, if that's, I don't call that's them. one thing. Bill C-11 covers the internet waves, meaning any Canadian content creators can't get their stuff out if the government says that it can't leave. Meaning the only other countries in the world that have this are North Korea and China. So now Bill C-11 oh. affects YouTube content creators, podcasters, people like Jordan Peterson, who are speaking out against Trudeau. And they now control, it is the, the networks and the TV and anything that comes out now, Bill C-11 passed. I was talking about this two years ago. I talked about it on Lex. I talked about it on other shows. I said, listen, guys, this is trying to go through our Senate. If this goes through, content creators in Canada are screwed. We are screwed. Kelsey, you got to leave, girl. You got to you and your husband. You got a kid too, right? You guys got to get up and leave. I know, everyone. Because Michaela left. She was smart. Jordan's yeah. still here. Who else is still here who does like major content? I mean, you've got Rebel, you've got those types of things, but and those people, but they want to stay in Canada because they're writing about it. People keep saying you need to leave. And here's what I respond always with I fought for it once. I'm not going to abandon it and not fight for it again. Right. I'm with you. Um, I feel the same way about the United States. I'm very passionate about it. Like, this is no place is perfect, but people don't realize, like, like say in the United States with like having this level of freedom that fostered the, this technological age of all these things that everyone enjoys in their life all around the world. And then they don't seem to realize that this was made possible through our freedoms that right. like there was these dark ages going back a thousand years and people were like, why did it take so long to get to the industrial revolution? It's because there was a bunch of Kings that were losers. There are a bunch of insecure assholes with probably small penises. I don't know if I should say that, but like sure. they were stopping people that were better than them and smarter than them from thriving and there was mm -hmm. already smart people and they had to like, it was all occult knowledge and like they kept things underground and like you couldn't speak about it. And like they stopped scientists from being scientists. Like this is yeah. literally, and that's what the dark ages were. They were, there was a number of things about it, but like part of it was literally stopping innovation 
And, and it's literally because like the King already had enough in their lives and no one else was going to do anything better than them. And it's really pathetic. Um, but I'm like, this is so concerning because this has been done. Like when you, when you have the government control the information, I'm like, that's exactly what they did. The Maoists did in China. That is exactly what they did in Russia with the Stalins. Like, it's like, this is, this has been done and it is never going to end well. And Trudeau, man, that guy, man, that guy, wow. Um, he's not stupid. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's just not who people think he, or who some people think he is. Let's just say. That's right. Um, yeah. But we don't have, I mean. No, ugh. my point in saying uh, that, no, my point in saying that is because a lot of people don't realize that that has now happened. That is, we are February, 2023, and that has passed. Not only next month, assisted suicide for people all the way down to the age of 12 with parent consent starts. So Canada's doing this thing right now that people are like, Kelsey, you're such an alarmist. Kelsey, well, actually, I don't know how many Americans are actually hearing my stuff right now because I know we we have been um, we've been demonetized on YouTube a ton of times already, and our show only has such small subscribers, and we're already being demonetized. And it's because the things that we're speaking of are affecting Canadians, and most Canadians don't even know that they're happening. Just like Maid Veterans Affairs has been offering medical assisted and dying in lieu of treatment since 2019. Now they're offering Maid to the civilian population starting next month, and that is anybody, even with a mental health disorder, can walk into a hospital and say, "I'd like to end my life," and they will help you and assist you in doing that. And this so, is- that is a problem. This is statistic. This is devilry. This is this is evil. This, this is, is not Canada, okay. twenty twenty three. People need to realize, like, and again, not to go back to the Bible, but as like, because I was like, so I wouldn't say against the Bible, but I was never really open to it as a Catholic because I just didn't like it and uh, didn't like the Catholic Church, and I just wasn't getting a lot out of it as a kid. And um, but as I've like been more open to it as an adult and looking through it, one, there's so much history in there because one, it, it literally. Throughout it, it talks about these wars I never even heard of, that these terrible mm-hmm. dictators and all, all this stuff, like it's all in there. Um, and it also talks about good versus evil and that this is, it said that it's happened before and it'll happen again. And I believe that we're witnessing, we're living in a time, I don't know if it's universal energies or what, but it's it's literally like history is all repeating itself. And it's like this, yep. there's this little battle for good versus evil. Either you are for freedom of speech or you are against it. There is no, there is no middle ground. And, and hold on. I, look, I'm not saying it's okay to yell fire in a crowded theater, you know, and shit. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, there are, there, I can be reasonable. I get I'm not it. saying that, right? And it's like, people are like, oh, you know, it's like, but it's like, no, like, this is either you're for it or you're against it. And, and right. this is where I'm at now. I'm like, I was on a, another podcast recently and I was like, people are saying I was fanboying out on Elon Musk and, and other uh, politicians. I'm like, excuse He's me. great. Uh, Can am- we just sidebar one second? He's single-handedly, yeah. let's just talk about it. He's the reason yeah. I drive a spaceship to everywhere. It's the same yeah, vehicle. Too. Oh, we have two of them. Like, don't it's, even get me started. It's awesome. I like, it's the best thing ever. I'm like, that car is so much fun. Like, I, I love it. I'm so glad. Single-handedly <laughs> populating humanity, single-handedly trying to save humanity by repopulating another yep planet he is helping right. energy and you're over here talking shit about the guy come on come on it's unreal it's unreal and that's why i say i'm like i am for in support of anybody that supports freedom of speech and my rights and right. this is the line in the sand now this is the line in the sand. 
we don't have to agree on everything. It's impossible to agree with everyone and everything. Right. That's part of the fun thing about being a human being. But like either you are for freedom of speech and, and rights or you are not. And there is now no more in my, in my mind, this is a line in the sand and I am supportive yep. of everyone that is. And you're right. Like all these people that are against them, they're either tyrants or they're just like, suffering from their own feelings of inadequacy it's like he's doing yes. these cool things and these people are sitting on the fucking toilet yelling at him on twitter like nah, you, you, you. it's like you make me mad he was like offering remember yeah yeah man and um remember like a few years ago there was like this these these kids stuck in the cave underwater yes. and like they were he was gonna yeah. rescue him and he was offering his services and his drone out and people were shitting on him i'm like He's literally offering to help these people and people are getting mad. I'm like, you're just projecting that you're doing nothing to help you know these why? people. Do you know why? And this is a saying I've adopted over the past couple of years because it will help sanity stay within the body. And it is, goes like this. No one doing more than you will shit on you ever. It's always uh, those doing less. I've yep. never... Had some other CEO, some other bigger podcaster, somebody who's a bigger author come to me and be like, you know what, Callus, what you're doing is shit. It's shit. Right, you know, you should probably right. quit. You should probably stop. You know who I hear it from? The trolls on the toilet like this. Well, there's, you know what? Get a life. Here's another saying. Winners focus on winning and losers focus on winners. Or actually, I said it in reverse, but it's losers focus on winners and winners focus on winning. Exactly. Um, and it is true. It's like, and the reason why people, winners are winning is because that's what they're doing with their time. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like, it's like Trump. Um, everyone, you know, not everyone, but many people so critical of him. And I remember, because I do take inspiration of different athletes. And I remember it's both Mike Tyson as well as Floyd Mayweather, both boxers, obviously. And the people ask him, like, what do you think about Trump? Like hoping that they'd bash on him. Mm -hmm. And they both were like, what did Trump ever do to me? Mm -hmm. Like Trump was nice to me. I met Trump. Trump was good to me. Why, right. why am I worried about Trump? And I remember Floyd Mayweather and I have different thoughts on him, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but he did say, he's like, you should be at home. I, mean, I forgot. He was on some podcast talking about it. The, the, the clip had went around the internet. So I saw it, but um, he was saying, it was like, instead of worrying about Trump, you should be at home writing down ideas. Why are you wasting your time? Like, going after somebody that hasn't done anything to you. You could be at home, like making a business model right now. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? And that's mm -hmm. the point. It's like winners focus on winning. And the reason why they're winning is because they're not spending their time shitting on others. They're spending their time focusing on themselves. Right. Um, and yeah, it breaks my heart when I see this. Like there's a lot of internet bullies and there's a lot of people that like, you know, they go after um, the ones that are most successful. And, and it's just like, I feel like they're just projecting their own inadequacies. It's, well, a lot of it's times like they're jealous. Yes, envious. they're they're envious, but I think a lot of times too that envy comes from a place of hurt. So most people I also right. have noticed just want to be heard. And if they're acknowledged, mm. they backpedal and go, Oh man, I just I wanted your attention or I wanted to talk to you about this. And I didn't think, you know, and I've had that happen several times. Mm. And I go, Hey, well, so what's the problem then? And then they go, Well, I didn't actually think you would respond to me because I respond with voice notes. I'm a voice messenger and a voice notes and all my friends hate me for it. And I don't care. <laughs> but in saying that, if you show somebody and obviously you do, there's their scale to this at some point, you just can't. But my point in saying that is most right. of the time I find people just want to be heard. They just want yeah, to they be heard. They want to be respected more than yeah. anything. They just yeah. want to be heard. It, it, it's, I've heard. Yeah. I 
couldn't agree more. I just want yeah. to be heard. And that's going tying back into the freedom of speech thing. When you censor pe- people, it pisses them off in ways that like, I remember, <laughs> in fact, actually, let me share a story. I shouldn't share this. Oh, fuck it. Who cares? So <laughs> like I tell you, I got in, like fights as a kid and um, I don't start them. I finish them. But I remember the last time I had ever put my hands on anyone, I was in basic training and this guy had stolen my towel. Uh, well, let me rephrase. I left my towel in the latrine or whatever after taking a mm-hmm. shower. And somebody went in there that night and took it. I went in there looking for him. Like, Where the hell's my towel? Somebody took it. Fast forward like a few days later and word gets back to me. I was like, hey, it's this other private, private money. His name was, uh, he was a nice guy. It's all good. Um, but he took my towel and he knew it was mine because my name's on the fucking sticker on it. Right. Uh, it's of course, study right on it. And so I get worried about it. So I go and confront him. And by confront, hold on. I didn't like, I wasn't going to go fight him. It wasn't like that. So you, this is the, this is the interesting, the, the story's about to take a turn. People probably think I'm going to start a fight, a, a fight with a guy who took a towel. Like not at all. I went and talked to him, gave him a guilt trip. There was people standing around listening to it. And he's like, you know, he's like, so do we have like, he's basically wondering like what I want to do about it. I'm like, nothing, man. Like, why'd you just, you know, just don't do that, man. Give me my stuff. We're all in this together. Da, da, da. And then there was this other guy, his buddy they got involved and basically was just telling me to shut up. And I'm like, excuse me. I'm like, I'm talking to him. He took right. my towel. He knows it was my towel. This wasn't an accident. He took something that was mine because I had left it, which was my own fault, but not his right to go steal it, especially with my name on it. He could have done the right thing and given it back to me or let me know. Or ask if he could keep it. Like, hey, do you not want this anymore? Here. Plus, why would you want to take someone else's so fucking towel? Disgusting. Yeah. Fucking right. nasty. Um, anyways, and this other guy got involved while I'm having a civil conversation. So I wasn't yelling. I wasn't swearing. I wasn't in his face. I wasn't mad. This was a, this was not in a physical issue. I was literally just like, dude, you took my thing. And this other guy just for whatever reason told me to shut up and he kept doing it. And I was like, excuse me, I'm talking to him. And he just kept interrupting. He's like, Corsetti, just get over it and go away. I'm like, I was like, if you interrupt me one more time, uh, no, that's not what I said. I said, do not interrupt me again. And so I started <laughs> talking. To the other private, and he's like, Corsetti, shut up. And I pushed him. And that was it. It got, it, it didn't even get broke. I just pushed him and he flew back. And, and that was it. Like, I, there was no fight, there was no altercation. But my point is this is that I was more mad that this guy kept interrupting me and, and, and preventing me from having a voice than the guy mm-hmm. who stole my shit in the first place. And that's my point. Mm-hmm. I was like, nothing will drive people more crazy. It's like, you know, when you interrupt people, people don't like that. When you stop people from having a voice, people don't like that. And I think that there's, when, as I evaluated that later on, I remember thinking to myself, what an interesting, bizarre turn of events that little situation was in that I had more of an issue with the guy that interrupted me than the guy that stole my towel in the, in the first place. I just feel like there's something to be said about it. And part of me doesn't want to share it because like, I'm not a violent person. I was a kid at the time and it's basic right. training. And, and, and you know what it's like being in the military, people getting fights yes. and, and you know testosterone is through the roof with all these men. And, um, but anyway... Um, yeah, it goes into that. I'm like, so when you censor people, like it leads, it makes everything worse. It makes people like, oh, we need to censor dangerous conspiracy theories. I'm like, you realize that you're just making them feel that they're right when you do that. And they probably are right. Because guess what? I'm noticing a pattern here in our world that uh, all the things that are getting censored turn out to be validated to be true later on. In fact, all of them, like pretty much every (laughs) single conspiracy is turning out to be true. All the things they say we can't talk about, every single one of them. Every single one. the human brain picks up on patterns. This is how yes. like, we survive. This is how like I could pick a banana out of a tree. Like I need to eat that. It's like, you know, it's like, so anyway, 
fun sometimes yeah well sometimes common sense prevails and sometimes it doesn't and i think the other thing is distraction is a beautiful thing and it's so and also is slow drip tyranny right there's something to be said about the frog in the boiling pot theory um and i think that's really kind of what has happened to uh my country and america if if i were to guess it feels like if i were to look back i would go yeah this is just a covid was a frog in the pot and we were just going to yeah. see who was going to stay and who was going to jump. And and you learned really quickly about that. And I think watching your show kind of throughout COVID, watching you kind of dive into really historical events and then things like freedom of speech and then really kind of give your, your views and your opinions. And I'm glad that you do though, because these views, these opinions, these educational things that you're putting out there on YouTube, they are affecting people deeply. You have become a part of uh, their education system. You've become a part of their their way of thinking. And that's because you're speaking honest truth and they can see a vulnerability and an honesty within you that they can trust. And I think that is something so many of these talking heads don't have. And so when you're able to find someone who not only sparks your intrigue when it comes to education and learning about things and kind of going, and you're playing along the same line, right? Where you're like, there's a conspiracy about Egypt and this and this, but there's what about freedom of speech over here too. And so it's like you tie it right. all together where you don't feel like you're being fed this slow drip nonsense. You feel like there's right. actual things changing and developing in your thought process, which is amazing because when you can get people to think for themselves, this is how you impact change. That's that's where the real power is. This is. If there's anything I want people to do is just think for yourself. I say it in every video. I'm like, look and think for yourself. Because we're all told what to think now. Everyone's right. told, like, memorize this. This is the truth. This is it. This is what you should think. Like, there's nothing more powerful than thinking for yourself. And when you give your own thought process away to others, you are doomed. It's, it's a very dangerous thing to do. It's all we have is our ability to think. More than if there's nothing else we have, people can take away every bit of freedom you possibly have, they can put you into a cage with chains on, but you, they still can't take your ability to actually think. Right. And that's the most, that's one of the most beautiful takeaways I like about your show is you make me think, you make me think in a different way. And I mean that truly because Egyptian history for me as a child, I always wanted to be an archaeologist, but I never had the grades. I was never smart enough to be this person who got to go and experience history up close. And I knew that and I was okay with that. And when I got Mm. back from the military, I went into a criminology degree and I took on the side, I took, uh, it was uh, archaeology and excavation in particular, and it had to do with mass graves. The And so the speaker, yeah. So she came in and she would talk to us about you know, she would go to Egypt and they would work to excavate along teams within, you know, really amazing, crazy things in the pyramids. And then they would get called to a third world country where a mass grave has been recently found and they would excavate Mm. and go there pro bono to help other individuals find their loved ones again, because this was happening, you know, this happens all over the world. Um, Wow. So I got a really crazy perspective of both. But the one thing that I love about your show is I feel like I'm learning more than I've ever learned in any history class at any point that I've ever taken. It is That means a lot. Well, but you do it in a way that it, it makes me excited. 
I walk around with you in my back pocket. I'm not always watching you, but I walk around with you in my back pocket with my headphones on while we're packing orders and living life. And I'm like, oh my God. And someone will look at me and go, what are you, what's wrong with you? Like, did you know that they never found any mummies ever? Do you know, why would they not? Why have they never found mummies in those? Why were those empty chambers? Why, why, why every other pyramid, every other spot, Valley of Kings, but why not there? Right. Well, let's say all oh, they were stolen, but I'm like, yeah, there's, if you look into Lies. that, I'm like, those, the pyramids weren't meant to be tombs. They were something else. I'm telling you. Know what, you. Do you know what my thought on these is? Is I feel like Tell they me. were s- some type of energetic connect. So it seems like we're finding all of these amazing pyramids in these lost cities, in these jungles all over the world. I can't pronounce it properly. So I'm going to try go Beckley Tepe. Like you're finding, yeah, that took a lot of practice. Um, it, you're finding these amazing points all across the world, which all seem to be a form of a pyramid all pointing towards the sky. And all that I can think of is energy and poles. And I think of these connections moving i'm with you i think there's something to it as well involving energy and like yeah that's i think it might be beyond our understanding i think it's something spectacular and i'm telling anyone just go down that rabbit hole that that's a whole thing but they should look at just how little evidence there are to even suggest there were tombs in the first place and they're like no other tomb found anywhere in egypt in fact and if it's not until you walk through the internal structure and the layout of it it makes no sense it's it's it looks functional right and not only just I mean, a about, chain of water and wa- water and air or something, it did something. It had to have, because it doesn't make sense the way it's laid out. And then you look at these, you look at these stones, and we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, and we talked about the size and how these are cut. And the what I find unacceptable is these historians and these scientists who have built their lives and their their businesses and their books and their Mercedes and their private jets and their these events around something that was relevant at one point. But right. at what what point did we as human beings go? It's acceptable that we're finding all of these things that are changing history and quite literally rewriting world history. And I mean, like for example. Joe had this gentleman on that lives up in Alaska. They're not too far from where I'm Yeah, at. John Reeves, Boneyard. Yep, yep. Okay, so I talked to his daughter because I want a piece of her jewelry as being a jeweler. I'm like, I need to oh, have that. My point in saying that is, I get that's his land. But oh my God, from like an archaeological perspective, the things that you were pulling out of there that will rewrite history. And Insane. I know they never found human remains because if they did but what i'm saying is oh my god oh oh my god oh my god they're finding animals that never should be there not supposed to be there changes all kinds the implications are enormous see this thing people don't realize we find the more we realize how much we don't know about our past it's insane but why do we accept it why do we accept that the historians and the scientists are like hey you know, we shouldn't talk about Atlantis. It was here. This is where I wrote my life work on this. But wouldn't you want to say to those people and sit them down and rationalize and go, look, yes, we understand that this is going to debunk your theories that you based your entire existence on. I get it. That mm. sucks. It hurts. Let's talk about right. first off. Why is the ego getting irritated when we do that? And then can we also talk huh. about, oh, we have new discoveries. Put your ass back down there and let's discover some more together and write some more. The reason involves envy 
jealousy. And, and this goes back to what we, I, people are going to laugh when I keep going back to the Bible, but like there's, it's people thousands of years ago were writing about the human condition that people are jealous of what other people have that they don't have. They'll kill their own sibling over it. And so with these people that aren't willing to accept a new narrative, something that contradicts whatever it is, their own work, it's because either they didn't think of it or it stands to, in their minds, undermine what they've done. Like you have tenured professor, professors that have written textbooks on these subjects. And when something new comes around that contradicts their entire life's work and possibly their livelihood, they get very, very defensive. And I think that a lot of people, like I've seen the way a lot of critics had um, reacted to Graham Hancock's Netflix show, Ancient Apocalypse. And I'm like, a lot of them, it's really obvious that they're jealous and it's very mm -hmm. sad, but I'm like, you know, this goes back into what I was saying about, they need to rewrite the encyclopedias on the human species and be like, there is bitter envy, jealousy, and all these things. It cannot be overseeded just how prevalent this is in so many things in life. It's sad, but it it's gross and sad. Can we talk about a little bit about that series? That series was incredible. I yeah, hope it's they very do. Well done. Oh, so so well done. But I want to yeah. talk about a couple of the things um during that that I couldn't quite understand and I kept looking over at my husband being like what what are we doing here? Why aren't we looking deeper into the map that we're standing on? Right. Top of? All of these locations, the locations in America with the snake head, mm -hmm. he was not allowed on the property. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't, you don't like what I have to say, but that doesn't mean that you get to be the keepers of all of humanity's history. Right. It's, it's disturbing like that, you know, so there's a few things to be said. One, the fact that they prevented him from going in there is gross. I'm like, who are you people? Like that mm -hmm. is not their right to do that. And the fact that they're, you know, the fact it's like, they, I mean, they have, they have it in writing. You can see the email that they sent him like right. you know, your views. We don't agree with them. Blah, blah, blah. And then going over to Indonesia with that that mountain, the Gunung Padang, I, I always say it incorrectly, but um, that chamber, 25,000 yep. years old. And it's like, they had cut off funding for that like a number of years ago. And like, they, they use excuses that they don't want to um, further excavate because they don't want to damage the site. I'm like, there are unanswered. There's there's ways to do this. You can drill holes that aren't yep. that wide. Like there's there's ways to do this. And, and it's it makes no sense to me. I'm like... If these people were truly passionate about these topics, you think that they would be wanting to find out the answers to these mysteries. So it's like, what's in that chamber, you know, or even the Bimini Road off the in the Caribbean or the Bahamas, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, this, this obviously man-made structure under the ocean. And that would imply that people were doing things there thousands of years prior to what's known, you know, some sort of civilization when the, when the waters were uh, far lower and, it's just, I don't know. To me, I'm like, anyone that doesn't have an innate curiosity into these things, you, despite it being within their own career, maybe they're in the wrong line of work and they should go do something else. Because like, to me, if I was running the show, all these things would be being excavated overnight. You know, it's like, let's get on this. What's the, what's the holdup? Right. Um, and there seems to be some sort of old guard um, protecting a lot of narratives out there. I'm not saying it's some giant conspiracy of a bunch of people, a cabal, that are withholding information. I think it's just a lot of egos here and there and it involves scientific funding and a lot of money is being sent for other things. They want their own funding. And if it's not something that they were already doing, then it stands in their minds to, to, to hold them back in their own line of work, I guess. And it's just really, it's really that simple. It's about the dollar.
most what often. A, what a tra- uh, tragedy, though, for for themselves and their own intellect and their own innate curiosity and why they got into that profession in the first place. Because you, yeah, you, you can't think that they wanted to go into that finding something and then just full board. Nope, no more. I'm good here. Well, you know, one of the things is that they got themselves boxed in mentally and that they went down this, they got this education and they kind of mm-hmm. have been led to believe that, the, you know, we, we have all the answers and they kind of just memorized too much. They got like a 97% on their college exam and like, there's nothing new here. I know everything is exactly how it is. Like, we already know the answers. And it's like, I, I'm like, come on. Yeah, it's, it's just, but because of it, they can't think outside the box. Like, right. One of the benefits of having outsiders come in is that you'll see things from a different perspective that others hadn't picked up on. And I've seen this like in the corporate world where like they've brought people in uh, from different industries and these these people have been able to pick up on things in like on day one that other people in that field had never picked up on. And it's just because you're having an outside perspective because they're thinking literally outside the box because they're coming from outside that box. It's It, it can't be overstated just how awesome of a thing it is to have a diverse set of opinions and and but a lot of these fields they don't want it like people don't realize like a lot of people that are new to this ancient civilization stuff they don't realize just how a lot of people will think like oh if there was truth to this we would hear it on the news it'd be in the newspaper it's like no like it's it's the same thing we're seeing that's going on in politics where everyone understands what's going on there People are running the show and they don't want anyone else new. And it's like, you know, they just want to keep running things. It's like the same thing is going on in the scientific and academic community. It's just egos. It's human nature. Do you think there would be, do you think it would be advantageous to just dose the population with a low grow, like low grade micro dose of psilocybin? Hell yes. Because it's harmless. Like, I'm not saying like, <laughs> like, you know, people are like, oh, he's, Jimmy's saying you should drug everybody. Like, no, I'm saying like at the right I time. I am. Right I'm setting, saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it would, it, it, yeah. Because it's not like it's, it's not lethal. It's not going to hurt anybody, but like under the right setting, like, hell yeah. I think this is a lot of other people have suggested that psychedelics are the, the key to like moving the, you know, human civilization to the next level. And I, I do believe that there's something to be said for it. And the good news, I am optimistic that with like these scientific studies coming out about it and, and the, you know, modern medicine going to start doing more with it, I think that'll become more acceptable and we're just a couple generations away or sooner. I think actually, no, let me rephrase. I think in our lifetimes, we're going to see dramatic changes with this in the next decade, probably. That it's going to become far, far more common. Just like when it came to cannabis, like when we were kids, that shit was a no-go, illegal mm-hmm. everywhere. And now it's like, proliferating so i think that things can happen pretty quick and this younger demographic that will take over things will change like that it's about getting rid of this old guard out of there these people have been running a show for far too long and once they're gone a lot of things will change far quicker than people realize well i think optimistic I, I, I think you're right. Um, I would tend to agree. I think the reason that they're going to change as fast as they're going to change when the old guard is gone is strictly because our generation or the generations after us are, they don't, they don't like to wait for yeah. anything. 
more than right. a day or two. Uh, Amazon now makes everything right at your fingertips. Dopamine right at your fingertips. Everything is oh. right where you want it. So I think, of course, things are going to go at a rapid pace when these guys start getting in power. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to happen. It's going to have to happen. But then you've got places yeah. like Australia who this week legalized psilocybin as a medication. Did they? I didn't know that. That's yeah. fantastic news. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm with you like with this, this right now generation and there's cons to that. It, it, it'd be, they don't realize the days of having to wait for things and there's benefits to that. But I also appreciate that it's going to be like that mentality. It's like, what the hell are we waiting on? Go excavate. What's the holdup? Get right. on it. I need answers tomorrow. I want to see this. And, and so that's a good thing in this circumstance. I know. Can't complain about that at all. Um, I don't know about you. And I want to know, because I feel like I'm crazy when I say things like this, but do you ever, when you're going to any of these incredible sites, which number one, I would love to see you on the next season with Graham Hancock. I think that needs to happen. I think I want to sit you two down and I just want to watch you guys talk about things. And I just want to be a bare witness to it because I think the ideas the intellect, the way you both have different perspectives and form thought, it could like break open something so ginormous. Like I know today you posted on Instagram, you're like, gee, I wonder discovery where you heard about that. Yeah. The Rishat uh, Atlantis. All right. So the Rishat structure, Mauritania, Africa, here's discovery channel putting out on their social media about this site and mentioning how some think it could be Atlantis. And I'm like, and I started reaping out. I'm like, I wonder who you heard this from. Like, Not on Joe Rogan or Jimmy Corsetti at all. <laughs> so I, I find I, it quite flattering because it's like, um, you know, it's, I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything, but I do get a lot of pleasure out of bringing these <laughs> unique topics to the masses. Like, that's yeah. all I really want to do. I'm not, I have no desire to have my name written in some scientific paper or something. I don't care about that stuff. But like, I do get a lot of pleasure out of blasting things out, things that I find interesting and saying it to as many people as possible, I find to be really thrilling. So it, it, it brings me pleasure to see that it's getting more and more attention. Well, that's what's going to happen, though, right? Because you don't want that. And that's not something you're trying to garner is your name in these history books. That's why it will happen, because you're not going mm -hmm. to allow for the red tape and the bureaucracy and the funding and the financing and the people to say yes for you to go explore and figure these things out. You're just going right. to do it. Yeah, I think it's like the YouTubers are going to be the ones that change the world. Like it's, um, you know, the, the influencers across different social media platforms. It's um, in, in, in any facet in life whether it's politics or, or ancient history or other things it's or or even moving forward with like you know psilocybin and other things it's like how did i learn everything that i've learned about psilocybin and other stuff it's literally been watching youtube videos from people talking about their experiences on how it changed their life for the better i didn't learn about that on discovery channel <laughs> or right. in school uh, mm -hmm. you know it, it, doctors aren't learning about that in medical school so it's it's through the power of the internet that people being able to share different ideas to especially like just through their smartphone and their fingertips can blast it out through this mysterious thing called Wi-Fi to people all over the planet can see these things yep. instantaneously. That's, what's going to do it. It's the internet. Although the internet will also be our demise. Don't worry. Oh, hundred percent. The oh, AI. Yeah. Don't worry. For sure. That's coming. <laughs> My, uh, my last like kind of question, and this is more because I want to see how 
how your brain works a little bit. Mm. When you go to these sites, you go to these things, when you're experiencing the energies in these rooms that thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, people walked, you know, in their sandals and their feet and their heat and they're placing these stones and they're sitting in these, in these, like, I'm not temples, but what could only be something that was created for such power in some way, because nobody creates structures like that for nothing. Like there's just, that's ridiculous. So when you're in these where the same air has been moving through, how do you feel in these moments? Because you have to have some type of spiritual past life kind of thing going on. And I know there's something in there because there's gotta be more. My, I have a few things. So one, like feng shui is a real thing. There's a vibe in certain places and there's certain places I felt good in, and certain places I got a terrible vibe in. And I also, at other times, I see these structures and the stones are so much bigger than I thought they would be. Some of the statues so much bigger than I thought they'd be. And I knew I was in, pre- in the presence of greatness. There was things that I saw there that exceeded my own expectations because it's different when you see things with your own eyes eyes as opposed to seeing pictures and video on the internet you don't realize when you're up close you're like oh my god like it's like the seeing is believing they say and when you're there in person you realize like something spectacular was happening here on earth a long time ago we've we've as graham hancock and others have said is that we're a species with amnesia that it's like we don't know there's this lost chapter missing uh in our in our past and it's also encouraging it's sad to realize that it's lost but it also you have this this rush, this feeling of excitement when you're walking through that same spot that who knows who all said, what kind of pharaoh, what kind of world leader of whoever it was, some powerful, amazing people that are long since forgotten were in that walk that same path as well. And it's just wild. It's a wild feeling. It's just as exciting as walking through the woods at night or something. <laughs> right? No, I ask because it is, I, I notice things in places when I go and I can feel it and it can be heavy. It can be intense. And I yeah. have this, uh, it's hard. I tried to explain it to people, but I have this obsession when you go to these locations, just touching the walls and just standing for a moment and trying to hear yeah. what you would have heard and smell what you would have smelt. And I did that in Pompeii. When I was there, I did that in 2011, you know, in the history books, you read about Pompeii, you see the, you see the frozen people and the dog and they should. And I remember reading that and I was so deeply obsessed with this place when I was younger. And then my in-laws took me there. And I remember like, I took my shoes off and I like walked because I'm like, there is something to this place and you could feel, you could feel it. And then they take you to go see the photos that I saw as a child where you see the people hugging each other and they're frozen in time and the dog upside yeah. down and they're just stacked on these. They're just stacked on these shelves mm. to be lost in time, to be forever frozen for the moment for the world to witness them. And you mm. sit there and you can't, I mean, I personally can't help but going there and I feel the sense of overwhelming sadness and pain, but also the to be, like you said, in the presence of something so much more powerful, the greatness, yeah. you feel it. Yeah. Um, speaking, by the way, have you been, so I assume you haven't been to Egypt. That is the one spot I have wanted to go a little bit. Get it on that, get on your list. It's very I'm doable. Yeah. Um, 
it will, I would be so curious to chat with you after you went and see what yeah. you think. Cause it is, it is, um, majestic. And that sounds cliche to some people, but no, it really is. No, it fe- there's certain par- uh, parts of it. The vibe is spectacular. Like the temple of Hathor is one of my favorite spots. There was a blissful vibe in it. The great pyramid of Giza had a wonderful vibe. Um, and there's some places not so much. Um, it, it, it's, to a lot of people, it's a very spiritual place. It is right. a, it is, a, I don't want to use the word life changing, but like to some, it's something like, it's like, it's a, it's a once in a life trip that once in a lifetime trip that you'll never forget. And you're impressed. It will, it, it can open up your mind to a lot of other things. You'll realize like, Oh my God, something was happening here on earth that was so special. And I can't imagine all the good stuff and the bad stuff that had transpired there in the meantime. Uh, everywhere in between it's uh to anyone listening i encourage like you got to put that on the top of your list like ancient rome doesn't have as cool as it was doesn't have anything on ancient egypt it is so much more spectacular it's not to take anything away from ancient rome because there's some cool stuff but right. um th- a lot of people aren't aware of all the things that are going on in egypt all the different sites that they've never heard of all the, i mean it's just there's so much more to it a lot of people just picture the sphinx and the, the pyramids of Giza. There's way more. Some of the most spectacular sites are ones you've never even heard of. A couple of my there. friends just jumped over top and uh, did the they did the seven continent thing where they jumped for folds of honor and they um, they have this photo of them going over top of the pyramids and as they're like falling from the sky and it's one of the coolest oh, wow. photos I've ever seen. And to bear witness to something as prolific as a pyramid to stand in front of it. I am that type of person where I feel everything to the point where like, I'll just, I'll probably fall down and cry. Like I, there is something so heavy, so power. There's it's so powerful. It even just, I think about it and I, I get goosebumps. I feel a weird connection to all of these old things. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, you know, it makes you wonder about like past lives and other things. Like, could there be some sort of connection there? Um, maybe there's something just in our DNA of our ancestors trying to communicate with us through it. That sounds silly to some, but all I know is that when you stand in front of that Greek pyramid of Giza, a lot of people don't realize that at its height before it's missing capstone, it was equivalent to the height of a 47 tall story building. And so it's like 750 plus feet wide at each of its bases. So when you stand at its base, you don't, one, you don't realize just how tall these stones are, but it means that because of how wide it is, that between where you are at the edge of its base to the center capstone, the middle of it, is literally 100 meters in front of you, just to the middle of it. So when you're up looking at it, it goes, you know, it's a pyramid, so you're looking at it mm-hmm. like this, and, and and it's another 100 yards or 100 meters, actually, in front of you to just the top of it. And then it, it it's almost deceiving. Like I said, it was 47-story, you know, tall building. And when you get, when you're away from it, it doesn't seem that tall until right. you're like walking up to it on, on foot and you're just like keep walking, 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 you're getting closer and closer. And it's like, holy shit. It's like, it's the most, it's one of the most spectacular things ever. It really that's, is. That's one of the places for sure. That's on the list. I would love to one day, one of the goals is I would love to do a show that follows us around going to all of the locations where certain psychedelics have popped up in the world and where they've been created mm. from and their histories and their science and then their 
buildings and their culture and behind them because the amount of things that are not being looked at because they're in these weird places in the Amazon where there's these structures that nobody can get to unless you're a part of an uncontacted tribe. I mean, like that is something mm-hmm. that I want to do at some point because I am so damn obsessed with these cultures, these ways of life before us, the history that is humanity. Yeah. It's one of the most fun, wild things, uh, exciting topics. Cause to me, I'm like, this should be harmless. Like we're not debating abortion and stuff. And like these <laughs> yeah. topics are something that we all should have in common. It should be like this, right. this, um, you know, this, 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 how do I put it? I don't know. I feel like everyone should have an interest in our past because it's where we all right. came from and there's so much to learn. And I don't know. I just feel like the good news is that there is a growing interest in, in our past and our ancient history. And I think it's for the better because there is things that, again, like in the context of everything we've been discussing on this podcast, freedom of speech and tyranny, all these other things, I'm like, we can learn something from our past. Like it sounds so cliche to people now where it's like, well, if you don't learn from history, you'll repeat it. And it's like, but it's true. It's and, true. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that complicated. And I think because of you, because of Graham Hancock, I think because of the the willingness to be I'm just say mocked, discussed, um, hated, talked about behind your back, in front of your back, canceled, changed, whatever you want to call it, because you guys are willing to stand up and speak. We're going to learn. The world right. is going to learn about itself in a way that we've never experienced before. And how can that hurt anyone? That should fuel curiosity. That should fuel innovation. That should fuel the next generation. I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel like it's very harmless, but um, not everyone feels that way. But, you know, going to what you're just saying, though, there is something exciting about sharing things that others will disagree with, too. It's very, it's all, it's liberating to speak your truth. It feels good to say what you believe to be true. It's a good thing. There's a difference between true and false, right and wrong, good versus evil. And so this is what the world needs more of is to say what they believe to be true. Just like Jordan Peterson had eloquently put it. Um, I think the whole world would improve very quickly if more people spoke up and said the truth. And I think that is the best damn way to end that episode. Listen, you, uh, you have, you have completely blown my mind on a million different things. I know you and you, I think you and I could talk for, a very, very. We should long do it. Time. We should do it again. We should do it okay. again, and we got to get you to Egypt, and then we'll do. And then I want to hear all about it, and then we're going to oh. talk about it on here. <laughs> we got plenty of things. <laughs> I think you and I have plenty of things we're going to be talking about after this, and also future on the show, and we'll come to you and do it in person next time. But I yeah. think I want to just say uh, thank you for being willing to be putting yourself in this position. You, you took a risk, you showed other veterans that it's acceptable to do something different. And for those who are like, yeah, well, he's also right. Yeah. Yeah. But for this community, for those individuals, for those other men that are standing going, I, I I don't want to, I want to start a YouTube show, but I'm too shy. I'm too this. I'm too that. You have to start. You just have to start. And if you start, you will figure it out. Get off the couch. This is what I tell people. I was on the couch watching these videos on these topics depressed this is 2015 and then uh, you know that's why i tell people just get off the couch you got to start somewhere like yep. one brick at a time one foot in front of the other drive on and and time flies and before you know it you will have made something and it'll be something that's yours and you'll it'll give you a, a feeling of satisfaction to have created something 
and to have got out of that rut. Cause a lot of people are in a rut right now. A lot of people are mm-hmm. depressed, but if you, if you get off the couch, like I say it, it, it will, you will feel good. There's a sense of accomplishment for doing hard work and it pays off. And in the long run, it will bring you more satisfaction than anything else. Well, I hope that you keep doing it. I really do. I hope that you keep driving forward. I, I hope that Graham brings you on the next season because I think you would be incredible at addition to that show. And I hope that people keep questioning things and keeping the open mind and keep learning. Where can they find your YouTube? Because I know it's out there and I know you're going to want to yeah. watch it. So I have a YouTube channel. It's called Bright Insight. Two words. My name's Jimmy Corsetti. Uh, follow me on Instagram. It's Bright underscore Insight. And I'm also on Twitter. I like Twitter now because of Elon Musk. Before it was terrible. And it's gotten so much better. You can find me on there, Jimmy Corsetti. Um, and yeah, that's where I'm at. And um, let's do this again. Yeah, man, I'm down anytime. That's it, guys. That's been Jimmy Corsetti. We will see you all next week.